Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Jeff Onan. And happy June, happy Pride Month, and happy E3 season. So, Jeff, uh, we now know the actual fucking E3 schedule, which which is nice because nobody's been, uh, n- nobody's been talking, and few have, and... We've been having to try to piece together rumors and innuendo about when the actual E3 events are going to happen. And as it turns out, it's going to be the same as it always was. Xbox is having their joint digital presentation uh, with Bethesda on Sunday, June 13th. And Nintendo is having their Direct on Tuesday, June 15th. And of course, DK Vine will be covering both obviously, and there will be live conversations on both nights, as well as a special live E3 preview Friday, June 11th. And I'm also, by the way, planning on going on my E3 bear hike, that grand tradition, where I go out into the mountain wilderness and attempt to encounter a bear, which is kind of our, our version of Groundhog Day. If I see a bear, that means... Uh, a bountiful E3 for the DKU fans out there. Uh, I'll be doing that on the morning of Thursday, June 10th. So stay tuned to see if I see a bear. Uh, and, uh, and nobody asked, but I am wearing my traditional E3 pants, yeah. which I which I put on starting on June 1st, and then I don't <laughs> and then I don't take off until a DKU game is announced. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, E3. You- You've actually been wearing it since uh, two years ago. Uh, it's missing E3 last year really fucked things up for you, as far as that well, tradition goes. I, I took them off when Mario Golf was announced. Oh, okay. But, but it was a short reprieve because now they're back on. So Yeah. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we don't know what to expect at E3. With all the Donkey Kong rumors, you know, a lot of people are, are putting hopes and dreams into the Nintendo Direct. I'm, I'm skeptical as far as whether or not we'll actually see the game announced then or not. But then, you know, there's always Rare. We don't, we don't know what Rare might show off at the Xbox presentation. Uh, Platonic's always a wild card. We, we don't know. Uh, we, we don't know. We could get nothing, a big fat load of nothing, or we, we could get everything at once. I made a joke. Wouldn't it be funny, uh, if, we didn't get the Donkey Kong game, but a new Banjo-Kazooie game was announced. That would just throw everyone for a loop. We'd have to completely change our gears and our, our mental uh, mental capacities to compl- like, oh, oh, okay, Donkey, forget about Donkey Kong. Let's talk about Banjo now. But don't worry, that's not going to happen. So we don't <laughs> don't don't get don't even really think too much about that, audience. I just said, wouldn't it be funny? I'm trying. Look, I'm, I'm I would already probably laugh. Yeah, I'd be like, this is funny stuff. I'm worried about disappointing people as far as like the Donkey Kong game not materializing yet. I want to doubly disappoint people and have no Banjo Kazooie game materialize too. Well, so that I way- still. I still believe in Kevin Callahan. <laughs> oh well, you're 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 a faithful guy, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Stay abreast. Stay abreast on all the upcoming potential news. Uh, Either way, we're going to make the best out of this E3. Uh, So be sure. Also, you know, 
bookmark dkvine.com is that still something people do say bookmark bookmark it um people forgot about books so the the phrase just gets more and more out there yeah it's like how the email symbol on the telephone on the cell phone is uh is a picture of an envelope i don't (laughs) even remember envelopes thanks to joy right (laughs) it's political that's yeah. american humor so we won't explain it to our foreign friends <laughs> uh dkvine.com forward slash patreon too. uh your your money helps fund our nonsense and uh, that's especially important e3 time because i i basically dedicate my life to e3 and the coverage of donkey kong universe news for like nine days so uh thanks thanks for letting me eat patrons Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. All right, Jeff. Uh, wel- welcome to a non-Sea of Thieves episode. Nice to have you here. It's weird. Yeah. Um, it's like when you step onto land after being on the boat for a long time. Right, it's what exactly do they call like that? Your sea legs? Or whatever. Yeah. 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 Ho- hope you get your land legs. Uh, so <laughs> let's, let's rewind a little bit. I, I wanted to talk about a time period we don't often discuss here on The Conversation. The mid to late 1990s. Colonialism. Oh, the <laughs> no, 90s. No, okay. No, yeah. Oh, the 90s. Yeah. Never comes up on the conversation. But the, the mid to late 1990s, I was a kid. And the only responsibilities I had were schoolwork and mowing the lawn. So I had a lot of time for pleasure. And this is before I discovered masturbation. Jeff, believe it or not, I would use that time for playing video games. I would just I would just play video games. I I wasn't running a website. I wasn't making it uh, my career. I I was just playing video games because I liked them. And believe it or not, Jeff, I would use that time for playing video games to play games that weren't necessarily related to Donkey Kong. Huh. Yeah, I I know, right? Well, I mean, look, when Donkey Kong Country came out in late 1994, it was all over for me. I mean, that that was the the zenith, the the pinnacle, the top of the mountain for what games could be for me. Um, but the problem was we were only getting a new Donkey Kong game twice a year. Uh, so that would leave a lot of emptiness in between, you know, beating the games and replaying them uh, a dozen times over. So... I needed to find games that could be my emotional support placeholders in between the Donkey Kong games to to provide a little taste of the aesthetic and vibe, the good vibes that Donkey Kong Country gave me. And sort of, I would play them and I would kind of disassociate from the actual game and sort of daydream about what the next Donkey Kong game might be like. And it was through this, through this method, by the way, this, this whole thing of like me playing games that sort of reminded me a bit of Donkey Kong to help me get through those drought periods. That's a good conversation topic in and of itself. Like we, we could do a whole topic about those games that got me through those periods when I had time to play games that weren't DKU. And maybe we'll do that one day, but it was during this time that I had my one and only encounter with the Crash Bandicoot series. Crash Bandicoot series? Crash Bandicoot series. And I remember, because I have a very good memory, it was sometime in the summer of 1997. 
This was after Donkey Kong Land 3 was announced, but before we had seen screenshots or context for what it was going to be about. I mean, we assumed it was going to be Dixie and Kitty Kong, but we didn't know the story or or, or anything about it. Uh, so Donkey Kong Land 3 was announced, and this was months before Diddy Kong Racing was revealed. And it was shortly after Banjo-Kazooie and Conqueror's Quest were shown off, but before we knew they'd become spiritual spinoffs via Diddy Kong Racing. So this was an uncertain time in, in the series, in the uh, Donkey Kong fandom, uh, the, the broad Donkey Kong fandom, mostly offline Donkey Kong fandom at the time. Because, you know, we didn't know what we'd be getting or when or you know, because of Banjo and Conker, if Rare was even starting to move away from Donkey Kong. So, one weekend, my childhood friend, Elliot, the the mythical Elliot, he rented a PlayStation console, PS1, as people know it today, from Blockbuster Video, because you could rent gaming consoles to try them out from Blockbuster back then. And he rented a PlayStation, this weird system with the weird triangle button and it, it took disc it's like, what the fuck is this and he he rented a game with it that came out the previous year previous september called crash bandicoot and so i played crash bandicoot one saturday that i spent over at elliot's house and I remember being taken with the, with the aesthetics, obviously. I mean, tropical jungles, you know, ancient ruins, that sense of adventure and, and exploration, and sort of linear action that drives forward. It, you know, it it's the same stuff that really propelled Donkey Kong Country. So, being a Donkey Kong Country fan, and obviously Crash. I, I think the original Crash Bandicoot, at least, was modeled a little bit after Donkey Kong Country. I mean, this was still this time period yeah. where Donkey Kong Country was hot shit. It it was influential. It was very popular. It would make sense that they would pattern another animal mascot game yeah. sort of after DKC. It's, it's surprising to me this era when some of the big platformers that were being made for the PlayStation 1, they really were modeling themselves after Rare's games. And not, you know, this is pre-Mario 64, kind of, when this started development. So, the biggest platformer in the world was Donkey Kong Country, not Mario. Yeah. You know, and and, uh, that is an interesting era in and of itself. And I think then later you had Spyro, which, you know, in in a different way, I think, took some inspiration from Banjo-Kazooie, but... We don't have to talk about Spyro. I don't want to get you so far out of your comfort zone, Isle. Well, Jeff, we'll, we'll be bringing up Spyro a little bit in this episode, but we, we won't go all in on a Spyro, the dragon tangent. But, you know, I, I had an enjoyable time with uh, Crash Bandicoot that Saturday. I mean, it, it was uh, a tropical romp on an island with uh with with a cartoon mascot with attitude. I, I, I liked it. You know, it wasn't my series. It... It, it felt like I was cheating a little bit, but I, I still had a relatively good time. I, I got to imagine what a Donkey Kong game in a similar mold would be like. And obviously that made an impression on me because Crash Bandicoot sort of became my go-to example of how you could maybe find a niche for 3D Donkey Kong after Donkey Kong 64 and all of the critical reevaluations I've had of for that over the years and you know 
ironically not knowing that Crash Bandicoot did sort of inspire the original direction for DK64 before the team realized it just wasn't a workable thing on the N64 and they scrapped it and just did Banjo-Kazooie again. Uh, I'm not here to relitigate DK64 though, no, no. Um, But that's where my knowledge of Crash Bandicoot ends, Jeff. I I never got a PlayStation. I've never been a, a PlayStation gamer. I became an adult and de- evolved somewhere along the way into a delicate hothouse orchid who doesn't play any games that aren't DKU. I wilt in their presence. Uh, I did catch back up with Crash a little bit when he became a fellow Skylander after Donkey Kong. But I mean, yeah, I know nothing about Crash beyond the little bit I played of that first game that one day back in 1997. And yet most of my post-2010 colleagues here on DK Vine, uh, the influx of editors who joined us around that time, like you and Cameron, and the general audience of the site, they all seem to be big Crash fans. Uh, or at least uh, big enough Crash fans that it often comes up in conversations I have with all of you. And I hear things, Jeff. I, I, I hear tales of, of glorious things that entice me, uh, especially with all of the recent Nintendo EPD rumors about, you know, potentially making a Donkey Kong game and the reflection that's caused all of us to have a little bit on the last decade of Donkey Kong. And then you combine that with the recent 20th anniversary of the Donkey Kong racing trailer. And, you know, we discussed this a little bit on a recent stream of Thieves. And then Cameron and I went a little bit on a tangent on the previous episode of the conversation. And then you posted an excellent DK Vine forum thread about it in just the last couple of days. And that's what really inspired me. And I was like, all right, you know, I know we have a lot going on right now. I know we have E3 coming up, but I felt like we needed to get this out of our system and make it a dedicated episode of the conversation. So here we are uh, talking about Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled and, and and how that compares and contrasts to the Donkey Kong series. Yeah, you know, um, and so Crash Bandicoot, uh, there's a, a classic article on ancient history DK Vine that I think might have been written by Aussie Ben. Yeah. Uh, which was Donkey Kong and Crash Bandicoot, Strange Bedfellows. And it's kind of uh, recapping ways in which those two franchises are similar. Um, but I think that even that, which is now um, 62 years old, that article, um, with the history these two series have taken, there's a lot of interesting overlap. So, so Crash Bandicoot, sort of like Donkey Kong, it has gone through uh, an interesting arc. And it, and it had, most notably, a, a, like a 10-year gap between main entries. So sort of like Donkey Kong was a little bit on hiatus. Um, Crash Bandicoot actually had a bigger hiatus, but, uh, you know, it's not a competition. Um, but both series eventually Give it three were... Year. Give it three years, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we're on our way. Uh, we, we're having, our, we're having our, um, our dormancy after our revival, which is not how the revival was supposed to work. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, both series did get revived with a nostalgic backwards looking entry that harkened back to the originals trilogy they each they each have an original trilogy donkey kong country trilogy and the crash bandicoot trilogy um 
but in doing so, in this kind of nostalgic revival thing, which is, you know, th- these aren't the only two d- platformers to get nostalgic revivals. It's a big thing right now, but um, they had very different approaches. And Donkey Kong kind of stuck to a, uh, a fairly bare-bones approach in regards to how much it's going to reference its own past, whereas on the very opposite end of the spectrum, Crash Bandicoot has been cashing in hard on nostalgia. Uh, And in doing so, it basically embraced the full history of Crash Bandicoot and redeemed uh, even the least liked or least well-known, more obscure titles throughout that whole history and brought them all under one fanservice-y roof and kind of put the Crash Bandicoot franchise into this sort of modern renaissance, uh, which had the remakes of the PlayStation 1 trilogy, the remake of the... Crash Team Racing uh, PS1 game, which was uh, inspired by Diddy Kong Racing. Um, they had a full-fledged Crash Bandicoot 4, which to have a game with that title is like having a game called Donkey Kong Country 4 in the title and all the connotations that might bring with it. Um, and then there's, a, there's also a popular new mobile game. So through this run of games, the fan service present here is basically unprecedented in uh, platforming games today. And it's a stark contrast to Nintendo's gun-shy sort of approach to referencing Donkey Kong's greatest games, let alone Donkey Kong's full, obscure history. So while the Donkey Kong series is focused more on reviving and referencing kind of the tone or uh, the the visual styles, the gameplay concepts of their past entries, um, you know, Crash Bandicoot has gone hog-wild referencing specific characters, uh, going to the absolute limits of Obscura, and meanwhile, Donkey Kong's most memorable characters are on a road to nowhere. So the contrast, I thought, was kind of a fun sidebar for the conversation to look at and just kind of put a magnifying glass to the insane depths, uh, to the insane depths of fan service. That's a Crash Bandicoot pun, Heil. Don't worry, you don't, you don't have to get all these. Um, <laughs> Will you explain it to me later? Yeah, yeah. So Crash Bandicoot is like a mouse, but he's orange. Uh, he lives in Austria. Anyway, no, um... But actually, though, I do think it would be prudent to do a little bit of a history lesson um, for your sake and also for our audience's sake, because this is a Donkey Kong podcast and not everybody might know uh, what's up with Crash Bandicoot. So we'll try to keep it. I'll I'll try to keep it brief, but you know how much I like to talk about orange mice. Um, So, yeah, Crash Bandicoot, you probably know, started on the PlayStation 1. It was a trilogy of games by Naughty Dog, along with a kart racer. And uh, they all took heavy inspiration from rare games of the time, like we discussed. But then Naughty Dog moved on from developing the series. They didn't own the rights, uh, which were under the Universal Interactive umbrella. And Universal had an agreement with Sony that kept those games uh, exclusive to the PlayStation for a time. And then that arrangement expired. And so everything changed for Crash Bandicoot. Suddenly... Uh, the series went multi-platform, third-party on, on uh, all of the different platforms, and uh, it was no longer being developed by Naughty Dog. Uh, Universal ended up merging with Vivendi to become Vivendi Universal, and eventually uh, would merge with Activision to create Activision Blizzard. And through this era, um, there were more sequels. There were a lot of sequels, and some of them were kind of faithful to the original style. Some of them were experimental and trying to evolve the franchise. Uh, some of them were cheap or side, you know, very little side games. It, they were handheld games. They were mobile games. Um, but a big pattern here 
is a lot of throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks, uh, a lot of very uh, aggressively tight deadlines and small budgets and games that were pushed out the door. And so the franchise kind of lost its notoriety that it had had as one of the premier IPs of the PlayStation era. Um, and, and every Crash Bandicoot game has its fans, but I think it's safe to say that it had been left in a bit of a mess after being passed around from developer to developer with no single overarching plan or style. And I think that'll sound a little familiar to Donkey Kong fans, um, which you know kind of remind you of Donkey Kong's, quote, buyout era. And um, so they're very similar to each other in that way. Um, but when the series died and went on hiatus, um, eventually things started brewing. You know, every hiatus, I think, for a beloved property does have to end eventually. So um, it draws another comparison to Donkey Kong in this way. But um, basically, before Donkey Kong Country Returns came out, uh, the biggest taste that we had that we might be returning to Rare's style of how to present Donkey Kong uh, was actually, in my opinion, in Super Smash Bros. Brawl when they brought Diddy Kong to the forefront of Nintendo's biggest crossover. Um, we didn't know it at the time, but that was kind of a teaser of what was to come with Donkey Kong Country Returns that was going to harken back to the country roots, uh, at least in the style and presentation of it. Um, and similarly, Crash Bandicoot went through a similar thing because... The, the nostalgic revival of Crash Bandicoot was foretold by his own cameo appearance in Skylanders, where he finally reunited with his old friend Spiral the Dragon uh, and it, under a new design and uh, new world that was hearkening back to the style and world that he had on the PlayStation trilogy. So, um, of course, that was a teaser of what was to come as well. And we got Crash Bandicoot, the insane trilogy which was uh, full remakes of all three original PlayStation platformers, which timed roughly around the 20th anniversary of the franchise. Of course, that was uh, just a remake, uh, planting the franchise firmly back in the past, and it didn't leave any room for them to incorporate or reference um, the many sequels and other history that followed those games. Uh, but that would soon change, which brings us to the main impetus for this episode to exist, Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled, otherwise known as the biggest character-reviving love letter that any platforming fandom has ever received. Yeah, you know, I, I remember that history vaguely. Like, I, I obviously knew it was a big deal when Crash came back as a Skylander, how many people were excited about that. And viewing crash from afar and sort of my peripheral vision during that time i i remember the dark times for the crash fandom obviously as a donkey kong fan we were going through our own drama and turmoil which in retrospect doesn't seem quite as bad as we made it out to be but hindsight is 2020 uh and now it's 2021 and whatever i i, I can enjoy jungle beat and i can enjoy uh, you know, the pay on games and I don't have to worry about whether or not Diddy Kong is going to be removed from the franchise. But, you know, it, it, it's it's funny to me the trajectory that that arguably Crash, you could have, you know, said it was on death's door after the weaker entries during the, the, the post Naughty Dog era. Um, 
and that it was able to claw back in such a such a way that it did because i feel like even ignoring where we've kind of wound up with activision and all of the recent stories about their plans it it seems like crash came back and came back hard um right and we're we're donkey kong fans and i we're going to be getting into these one-on-one comparisons but as you said, we've already had a revival, and now we're waiting for our next revival because the first revival petered out. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, and, oh. and you know, and I don't want to disparage all these sequels. I think a big piece of this episode is celebrating the history. Um, and so I know that there are Crash fans that uh, got into this series after Naughty Dog with the post Naughty Dog sequels. And, and, you know, and I think uh, there's no, there, it's not a, there's not a one-to-one comparison between Crash and Donkey Kong, but there are games in the Crash series where I think in my head, like, okay, so this is the Donkey Kong 64 of Crash. And this game is the Donkey Kong Jungle Beat of Crash. And these games are the pie, the pay on games of Crash. And they're, they're not one-to-one, but those comparisons exist. And, you know, I think obviously there's Donkey Kong fans that got into Donkey Kong in the buyout era. So yeah. when when Crash came back with with you know with a vengeance, uh obviously it was rooted in the Naughty Dog nostalgia because those were always the games that had the biggest impact. But where they kind of are different from what Donkey Kong did with Donkey Kong Country uh returns is that they then immediately started filling in the history none of it was forgotten or or erased or neglected and that's where we come into here with crash team racing nitro fueled yeah this game crashed well crash team racing in general nitro fueled or not is a game you jeff have talked about for years and you've talked about it towards me as in heil you should play crash team racing because you go on and on about Diddy Kong Racing and how much of a shame it is that Diddy Kong Racing ha- has never been able to successfully successfully receive a sequel, Diddy Kong Racing DS notwithstanding, and, and how it's a shame that Diddy Kong Racing never influenced Mario Kart in a greater way. And all of my complaints, and you're like, but there is this other series that took direct inspiration from Diddy Kong Racing and evolved it and expanded on it. And Heil... You're an idiot. And, and, you, know, you never said that, but I, I could hear it. I could see it in your eyes. Yeah, you could see me mouthing it because you can read lips. But uh, yeah, you know, in the crash, the crash rate. I'm a huge fan of Crash Team Racing and the less good sequel, Crash Nitro Kart. I'm less a fan of Crash Tag Team Racing, the very different third sequel that came much later. But I'm not going to drag it through the mud because I know there's fans of it, and I know at least one of them is going to be listening to this. Um, and I often go on and on about how those games uh, did a lot of innovations in kart racers way before other kart racers did them. Like, for example, uh, you know, Crash Nitro Kart did the anti-gravity driving upside down on the ceiling thing that Mario Kart 8 does, except it did it 20 years sooner. <laughs> or not quite 20, but, you know, 15. Anyway, a lot of stuff like that. I'm a big fan of these games. And uh, Crash Team Racing is not apologetic at all about taking its inspiration from Diddy Kong Racing because they actually started the game out by uh, building a prototype recreation of this of the track from Diddy Kong Racing, Crescent Island. 
uh, just just to see if they could make a Diddy Kong Racing styled track workable on the PlayStation One hardware. So that's where Naughty Dog was coming at this game from. Was like we're trying to make our own Diddy, and and, and there's differences. The game doesn't have um, the different types of vehicles. It's all carts. There's no planes or, or hovercrafts. But the big kind of inspiration they took was the adventure mode, which is basically copied wholesale. I mean, you've got like the silver coin challenges, there's like an equivalent to that. There's like, I mean, basically everything that's in that Diddy Kong Racing Adventure Mode, they they essentially copied in Crash Team Racing. Um, and I think of it in a way like Crash Team Racing improved on Diddy Kong Racing in so much as Diddy Kong Racing improved on Mario Kart 64, which improved on Super Mario Kart, etc. But, um... Yeah, so we're getting to the 20th anniversary of Crash Team Racing, and they announced that they're doing a remake, uh, which was huge for me. I mean, I I texted a friend group of mine who had been hoping they'd do a remake, and I just was like shared them the trailer, and then there was just like five eruptions of exclamation points, like yeah, like it kind of like when we saw Diddy Kong in the Donkey Kong Country Returns trailer, just like the whole chat erupts with people saying Diddy Kong. Yeah. Um, it was one of those moments for me in my gaming fan life, but, uh, Nitro Fueled, uh, was a really cool remake because what they did was they took the game, they recreated it in a modern graphical style and faithfully, uh, recaptured all the mechanics and all of the nuances. And then they also just as a bonus threw in all the tracks and all the characters from that game's sequel, Crash Nitro Kart. So they're technically both remade in this one package, other than Crash Nitro Kart's story mode. Um, And then they added an online mode. You could race online. So it was just this awesome kind of remake package. And it could have been it, and it would have just been like one of the best remakes. Uh, But they didn't stop there. Uh, They, like many online games do they decided to support the game post-launch with free additional content uh, with in the form of these monthly kind of updates. And um, they added free tracks, they added more characters, and they added some skins, and there was ways for you to give them money if you wanted to give them money, but it was optional and stuff like that. You all, you know, you know the, the song and dance. But through this method, they basically turned what was a really cool remake into an unbelievable celebration of Crash Bandicoot history. The likes of which I don't think any game has ever done for any other platformer. Even, you know, people are going to talk about Kirby Star Allies, and I'm going to still tell you that's less than this because, I mean, they, they, go, they go hard. Um, so that game, they started out with an already fairly extensive roster. They had 26 playable characters. But over the course of their almost a year of these monthly updates, they have they called Grand Prix. Uh, the roster eventually expanded to fifty six playable racers. Jesus. Uh, and unlike Mario, they don't count like other color skins like Metal Mario. Like those are just skins. I'm talking fifty six different modeled characters. Oh, and, so it's not uh, Cat Peach. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That that would just be a costume in this game. They wouldn't count it as a separate character. Um, and, and there are a lot of costumes and, e- and we're not even going to get into that but even the costumes have a lot of deep cut references within them and there's dozens or hundreds of costumes but uh, yeah and, and so 
they started out, they basically started adding more and more. And they added eventually every kind of quote unquote main or, or large featured character that you could imagine from a crash game. All of them got in here. Then, you know, they did the obligatory cameo with the Spyro franchise, which I even would have liked to see more, you know, more crossover with Spyro, but that's okay. And, but then eventually just started getting into, I, I wouldn't say diminishing returns. I would say, um, they had to get into the delightful weeds. They had to, <laughs> they had to start putting in stuff. It's like, well, we ran out of Kongs. I guess we have to add Blue Bear to the game. By, that- by, by, by the way, everyone, the delightful weeds is also the name of Jeff's dispensary. So check that out. Yes, it's uh, it's right down the road from the other five dispensaries that are now in my town. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought it'd be cool to highlight a couple of these obscure characters with just a, a sentence of context, just to give s- some uh, gravitas to exactly how obscure they are. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because like I'm not a Crash Bandicoot fan, but I am a huge fan of something, the Donkey Kong universe, and so this stuff is always fascinating to me, just as a as a fan of something to like study another fandom and and to kind of experience by proxy the same joy like imagining an equivalent character that would make me excited uh that this is this is fascinating to me just as a fan of being a fan of something if that makes any sense yeah we all are a fan of being fans so yeah uh here seriously for a few examples one one um kind of the first cool obscure characters that showed up during this was uh, these two characters named Chick and Stew. So Chick and Stew, they're cartoon chickens, and they uh, were kind of these comedic narrators or race commentators in the third Crash Bandicoot racing game, um, not counting mobile game spinoffs. And uh, they appeared in the very first Grand Prix for the, the, the kind of DLC cycle as the hosts uh, as the as the commentating hosts of the DLC itself, uh, putting together kind of an in-universe narration of the content that was coming. Um, and then eventually they would be added as racers as well. Um, so this would be like, I don't know, I don't I can't think of an equivalent like Donkey Kong character, but it's like if Swanky Kong was the host of the DLC, but also if Swanky Kong had debuted in like Donkey Konga 2, Instead of a real important game, you know, like, uh, and then another, another really big one. This one is the biggest for me because I'm psychotic. Um, but Rilla Roo, which is a gorilla kangaroo hybrid mutant, um, and it was only seen in a uh, party game on the PlayStation one called Crash Bash and whose only fan who ever mained Rilla Roo in the obscure party game Crash Bash is on this podcast right now, and it's me. Um, they added Rilla Roo to the game. And, like, I mean, have you ever been a fan of something so obscure that you think you're the only person on Earth that knows it exists? Yes. For more on that, visit DKVine.com. <laughs> I, I walked into that one. Um, but, yeah, Rilla Roo is just nonsense. But it gets even worse because then you have uh, Mega Mix. Mega Mix was a fusion of four famous Crash Bandicoot bosses that were monstrously uh, put into one grotesque Cronenbergian body 
as the final boss fight of an obscure Crash Bandicoot Game Boy Advance side platformer, basically like the you know like a pay on game of the yeah. Crash franchise. And uh, they said, "Hey, let's take that gross Cronenberg freak, and uh, we'll make a 3D HD model of him and put him in Crash Racing." Um, then there was Yaya Panda, who was a racer. <laughs> Sorry, the name Yaya Panda makes me laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I want to say it's pronounced Yaya, but it could be pronounced Yaya. Or I, Yaya. I like Yaya Panda, Yaya. though. Yaya. 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 Uh, I like Yaya Panda, but uh, I've never played a game that had Yaya Panda in it until this game, because Yaya Panda is exclusively from a few early mobile cell phone Crash Bandicoot racing games. And uh and now Yaya Panda's in twenty twenty one is a is a HD character in a racing game. And then we get into this crazy nonsense bullshit, which is the character Hasty. We we talked about this on, on Discord the other day, but this is like next level. Um basically the story behind Hasty. Hasty is an original a quote unquote an original character created for Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled. Um, but it's a character that is an homage to a absurdly, obscenely deep Crash Bandicoot reference. Because back on the original Crash Team Racing, a concept artist that worked on that game had posted some concept art online. And in the mix of that was concept art for a hippo character who were wearing an aviator helmet and, and jacket. Um, and everyone just assumed concept artist here's concept art that must be must be a character that was cut from crash team racing and at some point in time i don't really remember know the history there but the character became known as fasty and uh <laughs> which is a, 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 a refreshingly shit name love it but uh so fasty the hippo uh became embedded in crash bandicoot le- uh fandom legend However, all of that story was an elaborate myth because the reality was that although the same concept artist had posted that image of Fasty the Hippo online, it was not concept art for Crash Team Racing. It was just kind of mixed in the mix. And it was actually uh, a character that was never conceived to do with the Crash Bandicoot IP. It was it was for a totally different function, which was um, the mascot for an airfare search engine uh, called Trippo. And the character was not named Fasty. It was named Trippo the Hippo. Trippo the Hippo, right. That's also um, a shit name, though, yeah. just for the record. Yeah. Oh, your website is called Trippo? I'll make your mascot a hippo. They're known to fly. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. I was going to say, what <laughs> animal mascot better embodies the spirit of flight than the hippopotamus? <laughs> right, the one that's permanently buried in mud. Um, <laughs> but the, but the, myth, the myth of the story was much larger than the facts. And uh, the insane, probably drugged up on coke developers, I'm just kidding, guys, of Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, um, decided to honor this piece of obscure Crash Bandicoot history. And so they created a legally distinct new character named Hasty. And Hasty is a moose instead of a hippo, uh, but otherwise is very clearly based on the character design and outfit design of Trippo the Hippo. And now we have a brand new character named Hasty, just based on that ridiculous, stupid, insular fandom history that um, that the developers were privy to. So that would be like if they announced a new Donkey Kong racing game, and eventually one of the DLC characters was 
Carlos the monkey based on Super Monkey Carlo, the weird concept art that Rare had (laughs) for their uh, post-buyout iteration of Donkey Kong Racing before it became Saber Man Stampede. That that would be the rough equivalent there. Now now I'm mad because I want Carlos the monkey, but (laughs) we we probably won't get him. But this is an episode for celebrating, not not being sad. So um, eventually Nitro Fuel DLC did wind down. I think basically just because COVID hit and um, they, they probably had more plans to continue, but it made sense to stop uh, at that time. They had almost a year of free updates. Um, so, but right about that exact time that they stopped is like almost like a, within a month, we had news that they were making Crash Bandicoot 4 um, and a new mobile runner game called Crash on the Run. Uh, so the momentum for the franchise just continued and um and crash 4 was kind of going back to the series roots being a direct sequel to crash 3 um but it had a lot of new stuff had a lot of playable characters that had never been playable before in a platformer but the big thing that it did was that um its plot revolved around the multiverse and hopping dimensions and it sort of is a retcon for the franchise by going back to to be a direct sequel to crash 3 in a way that sort of implies that all the other sequels did not happen, except that the whole plot of the game is that they hop to other dimensions with alternate universe takes on characters. And um, it implies that everything that's ever happened in Crash has happened, just in in some universe or another. And they all can pretty casually cross over with each other whenever they want. So it kind of is like we're resetting the clock but opening the door to also reference whatever we want, whenever we want. Um, which is clever because it fixes some plot holes and inconsistencies rather than just doing the reboot route that sort of doesn't care to preserve the stuff it wants to erase. Um, which is kind of, you know, I, I appreciate that aspect of it. But the same conceit of the dimension hopping, you know, characters and stuff uh, was also a big part of Crash on the Run, the mobile game, um, which is out now and, and also has a seasonal kind of um, update schedule with new stuff happening. So this, even this episode's going to be out of date because by the, you know, throughout, through that mobile game, they're going to continue to add ridiculously obscure characters uh, well after this episode airs. Um, but yeah, just like we just did for Nitro Fueled, I wanted to call attention to a couple of the obscure characters that show up in Crash on the Run, the mobile game, which in the mobile game you fight some uh, kind of enemy henchmen, and if you didn't defeat enough of the henchmen, you get to face the boss, and so that is basically just an excuse to throw in models of boss characters that you can then fight um, and reference really obscure, stupid Crash stuff that... All of 12 of us online remember. So here's a few of those examples. Um, They had the elementals from the Wrath of Cortex. They had the ant drones and zombots, which were just drone enemies from Crash Twin Sanity. And they had Scorporilla, which is a drone titan uh, enemy from Crash of the Titans, the Crash of the Titans duology. And uh, so all of those, you you could kind of argue they're not obscure because those three are quote-unquote mainline Crash Bandicoot games. 
Um, but they're mainline Crash Bandicoot games in the same way that like Jungle Beat is a mainline Donkey Kong game. Yeah. Like it's it still doesn't get referenced. So, and and, and, yeah. and it's it's like Jungle Beat is a mainline Donkey Kong game, but I see a lot of people online not recognizing it as such, and it, it often gets called a, a spinoff or a side game. And I'm like, no, that was the main Donkey Kong game for the GameCube. But it, yeah, uh, I, that completely tells you the equivalency level of it with these other Crash games. Yeah. So, you know, you have these characters from games that don't get referenced. And, and some of them are kind of obscure drones. Um, so, uh, but, you know, if you think a mainline Crash game is not obscure enough, I can get more obscure than that because in this mobile game, one of the enemies is called Pink Elephant. And Pink Elephant is a character that has never appeared in a Crash Bandicoot game. Uh, Pink Elephant was an enemy that was cut from a level that was cut from Crash Twin Sanity, which is a game that famously... Uh, had a a rough development that ended up cutting a wide large large swaths of content that they planned to develop and, and uh, in fact the main collectible in that game is unlocking concept art to show you that the game was supposed to be three times bigger than it ended up being um and so this character is just concept art from a 17 year old game that they now brought back to life as like hopping out of this other dimension we have this other dimension where Presumably, that means that the full realized vision of Twin Sanity did happen in some other dimension, and everything can just cross over whenever we want to, which is just insane. So, Pink Elephant, who doesn't even have a na- real name, his name is, <laughs> no, I was gonna his say, name is Pink, Pink Elephant. That's Pink Elephant. That's like giant <laughs> clam on the right. levels of shit. <laughs> uh, but it gets, you know, believe it or not, it gets deeper than that. It's, in my opinion, significantly deeper because we have to talk about Mr. Crump. Oh, boy. Mr. Crumb. Mr. Crumb. Okay, so in 1999, uh, Tiger Electronics released a dedicated handheld uh, novelty toy Crash Bandicoot game um, for their 99X format game systems. I call it a novelty toy because I'm trying to give the the understanding of how small and cheap these things were. It was not like releasing a handheld cartridge for a Game Boy it was its own dedicated little device, just mm-hmm. a step above what you could get in a Happy Meal. And um, I mean, uh, there was a Battletoads version of this, like these little handheld LCD games, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, they weren't uncommon, but you would hardly think they would ever have an impact on on canon of their franchises, you know, or ever be referenced again. Um, this game has nothing to do with any other Crash Bandicoot game. The plot is absolutely nonsense and nothing like what would happen in a Crash Bandicoot game. It's a plot where Crash Bandicoot breaks into a house that is haunted by a mean, rich, old man ghost who has <laughs> who has stashed his gold in the mansion but protected it by raising the undead. <laughs> and none of these enemies or characters are from Crash Bandicoot. Hi, you told me you played Crash Bandicoot slightly. Yeah. Does this sound like something that would happen in a Crash Bandicoot game? No, no. This sounds like big, bad Beetleborgs. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, the the screen resolution on these things is like five. Um, You know, the the sprites are incomprehensible, and yet they took this final boss, Mr. Crumb, the mean old man ghost. (laughs) (laughs) And they have recreated him in 2021 with a new design 
that is in HD in a three-dimensional model, and he is now a boss fight you can face in Crash on the Run. Yeah, Mr. Crumb. I'm happy for the Mr. Crumb fans out there. Can you imagine? I know. The... <laughs> We've been we've been crawling through the desert for forty years, Heil, and um, <laughs> it's been rough. It's been rough, um, but you know, is uh, it it's probably makes sense to now now that we've kind of encapsulated just how obscure this is this this utter devotion to the cult of character, which is the antithesis of everything else we're seeing in Donkey Kong. Oh yeah, um, so this is where I get to take back over, right? Uh- <laughs> Is it, yeah. this, this is like a Donkey Kong podcast or whatever, right? No, but that that does set the stage quite nicely for for how we bring it back around to Donkey Kong. So, meanwhile, over on Donkey Kong Island, uh, N- Nintendo a- and Retro, who of course is just working at Nintendo's behest here, they seem to be allergic. They, they seem to have been allergic at the very least towards actually referencing Donkey Kong in Donkey Kong games. Um, so, I, again, you said this is a positive episode, we don't want to get too negative, but I feel like there needs to be a little bit of a catharsis. There needs to be, for the last decade, Donkey Kong fandom has really embraced the positive, right? We, we haven't really been negative in a long time since Donkey Kong Country Returns, and part of that is, like, you know, we're we're just happy for what we have. We're not going to complain. We might not like this and we might not like that, but oh well. You know, that's that's fine. But I I feel like occasionally, you know, you let up all this this you let all this hot steam build up without letting it out. You're going to explode. So part of this episode is letting out a little bit of the steam uh while we're on the verge potentially of this new Donkey Kong revival i feel like it's a good time to sort of exercise those demons those mean old mr crumbs from our bodies <laughs> in order so that, to so we can steal the gold yeah exactly steal the gold of positivity from the future now yeah jeff you and i have have talked about this quite a bit in the last few weeks it seems like but a really good go-to way of framing it, framing the absurdity of where Donkey Kong is at or has been in the last 10 years is retro wouldn't reference Engard the Swordfish, but they are more than happy to throw in a reference to Billy Mitchell and the tanks from Super Mario Brothers 3. That's, that's where Donkey Kong is at. Uh, and, and again, like, this isn't meant to be come across as bitter or jaded, but and again, and the retro games are excellent. Uh, they, they contributed a lot to the overall tapestry of Donkey Kong's history, and I will always love them. But when the fandom had to unite and run what's tantamount to a massive international political campaign, when Nintendo gave us the once in a lifetime opportunity to influence Smash Brothers just to get the main villain of the series back, it shows you how skewed things have gotten for us. Right. How, th- how how off-kilter the Donkey Kong brand has become under Nintendo that it took all of our effort just to get the main villain of the piece to be acknowledged and celebrated. Right. And, and you know, like you said, it's not meant to sound bitter and jaded, but if I may sound bitter and jaded for a minute... <laughs> 
<laughs> if you're making a video game and you're going to title this game Donkey Kong Country Returns, and you realize that while laying out your design priorities that you don't have a place for On Guard the Swordfish in the game because you're not really going to use Animal Buddies much at all, but also you don't even have underwater swimming levels, then you are doing it wrong. <laughs> and... You you and you did that wrong. The game that has the title Donkey Kong Country Returns is incorrectly made. And and in ways that at the time we were just too ecstatic to acknowledge or or really uh comprehend or or sink our brains into um they uh they fucked up. I think Retro Studios and Nintendo did it wrong. They revi- They did a retro n- n- nostalgic revival without um, being, n- you know, they they didn't do it right. <laughs> so, but that's the bitter and jaded sentence out of me. Now released like Mr. Crumb into the, in- into, I don't know, into the old mansion drapes or whatever he does. <laughs> um, and now I can go back to sounding more positive. Well, We'll come back around to the bitterness in short time, Jeff. Don't worry. The, the last time we had any equivalent fan service of this degree, it really w- was the Payon games, right? I, I mean, that was a, a time, a weird time. The buyout era was weird in general for Donkey Kong and the Donkey Kong universe. Just a lot of drama, a lot of growing pains, and a, a lack of a core consistent direction, honestly. And we love the Payon games for what they were, but I don't think we really appreciated how of a rarity it would be to to have uh, the degree to which it reveled in the semi-obscure that it did. I mean, it, those games gave acknowledgement to minor characters like Quawks the Parrot, and they incorporated mostly unknown baddies like the bats from off of Donkey Kong 64 and named them Flip Flaps. Just stuff like that that I'm, I'm seeing in these new Crash games. Yeah, I think that Copter, the playable racer in Barrel Blast, Copter, the drone enemy from Donkey Kong Country 3, that's kind of on the tier of some of these Crash Bandicoot characters. Yeah, I... Payon, we're definitely digging deep for some of their some of their pools, but it it was always these tertiary side games that didn't get any promotion, and they they sort of just died on the vine a little bit because the the core Donkey Kong game at this time was a, a, a bongo platformer that didn't really get much traction. And there was this identity crisis for the series that was shored up with Retro's Donkey Kong Country Returns. And at that point, Payon didn't make any more Donkey Kong games. So, you know, the Retro games and and Jungle Beat before them, they went out of their way not to reference the past. And and we know now uh, that a lot of that is owing to Nintendo's admittedly frustrating corporate culture. Frustrating for us, more so than them. And that makes sense to a degree, the way they do things. Like, oh, well, we are not the team that created this character. It would be improper for us to have any say about this character. So let's not use this character and let's create a new character to use instead. And that's all well and good for a lot of franchises. But 
it's maddening when you're an average fan, when you're a layman, especially when you consider the unique position the Donkey Kong series has been put in, where Donkey Kong's home studio, the one responsible for, I would say, 90% or more of the characters and lore that appear in it, when, when they're no longer with Nintendo at all. They're owned by what it, you know, essentially the competition. And so this is not a situation like Nintendo R&D 1 not wanting to use Bowser or Peach in Super Mario Land games because there's nobody to go to bat for these characters. Nintendo's not using. I mean, that was Payon, but, you know, Payon stopped making Donkey Kong games. And in the last decade, this is, this is, this really frames it for me. In the last decade, we've only had seven returning Donkey Kong characters from the pre-retro era actually appear in Donkey Kong games. Seven. Um, and, you know, we, then K. Rule appeared in Super Smash Brothers. But in, in actual Donkey Kong games, we have had seven returning characters. Is that the five Kongs and two animal buddies? Yes. Oh, uh, you know, I don't want to get bitter and jaded, but I think that if you're... <laughs> If you're going to make a game and you're going to call it Donkey Kong Country Returns and you don't have a role for On Guard the Swordfish, you shouldn't be the people making that game. You did it wrong. Wait, did I already say this part? Oh, yeah. I'm, no, I'm, you're, 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 you're stuck in a loop right now. Um, it, it's... I mean, the game didn't have... Did you know that, that they made the Donkey Kong game? They they called it Donkey Kong Country Returns. You know, like like Donkey Kong Country? Uh-huh. Do you, you remember Donkey Kong Country? I, I yeah. I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. yeah, that that new one doesn't have zingers on it. That it, <laughs> they didn't they didn't even put zingers on it. They they did it wrong, Heil. They fucked up I, again. It, it, it's it's hard to think about how we just felt when Donkey Kong Country Returns was announced and the glee and jubilation that and th- this is how like frayed we were as a fandom that. It took 40 seconds for them to show Diddy in that trailer, but when they showed Diddy, we were just all on board. We were like, all right, well, oh, Diddy's yeah. in it. Diddy's in a mainline Donkey Kong game. Whatever. F- fucking hell. I'm I'm satisfied. Let's go home. Uh, you know what? One of, one of the most satisfying, like, nostalgic bits in that original trailer is you see Donkey Kong swing on a rope through mm. a line of bananas. Yeah. And you're, and you're like... Man, I'm so nostalgic for that. And whereas the Crash Bandicoot games are over here, like, hey, do you remember Tiger Electronics put this like shit in your Christmas stocking? Here's Mr. Crumb, the ghost. <laughs> and you know, I I don't know how much of this is. There are actual Crash fans working on Crash games, whereas with Donkey Kong, I, I get crazy. Yeah. You wouldn't want that now, would you, with Donkey Kong? And, and that's not to say that people at Retro weren't Donkey Kong Country fans. That's, that's not a fair assessment, because Retro also had a lot of the corporate bullshit to deal with from Nintendo and, and Tanabe's oversight. And I, I could get into all the rumor-mongering there, and I'm, I'm not going to, because I, I don't want to name names, even though I just named a name. But it, it's... Right, like Tanabe. We wouldn't name him. We wouldn't name. I I didn't give his first name, did I? I just said Tanabe. Could be any Tanabe, Jeff. Uh, I think that there's this weird misconception with Donkey Kong, and it's a, it's a twofer of a misconception. It, it comes from two ends. There is this misconception, or there was pre Smash Ballot within Nintendo that 
well, there aren't really hardcore fans for these Donkey Kong characters. Like, there's nobody adoring these characters like they adore Waluigi or or whatever. Uh, So... It, nobody's going to miss them. They're, they would miss Cranky Kong, maybe. They would miss Diddy Kong. But nobody's really going to miss K. Rule because nobody really care, cares about K. Rule. Nobody's going to miss Winky the Frog. Uh, these are all expendable characters. And so long as the gameplay is top-notch, fans will be happy. Because they what, what fans really like about Donkey Kong Country, uh, it, it, it was the mechanics. Uh, they, they don't really care about the, the characters. Yeah. Uh, Whatever, we can do better. We're going to make a pig that looks like a fucking asshole. <laughs> We're not even going to give him a name. Until the second game, right, when fans complain that he doesn't have a name. How, how did we know that Donkey Kong fans would complain that we didn't even give him a name? I mean, how... Wow, we... Uh, uh, and that, that's, that's a funny thing, too, that Retro really did course correct a lot with Tropical well, Freeze. Retro said, once you give it a name, we're not allowed to kill him. So... <laughs> We have the luau booked and everything. I, yeah, but Retro did do a lot of course correction when they actually listened to Donkey Kong fans. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm giving Retro shit here, and it's not totally fair and warranted. And they did do a lot of listening to the fandom uh, after Returns came out, and, and they fixed a lot of that shit in Tropical Freeze. The, the little petty shit that we complained about that felt off for Donkey Kong. Like, as far as, like, the map screen presentation went, uh, Professor Chops just being called the tutorial pig, they fixed that shit, and they called him Professor Chops. But uh, it, it, it took, you know, an entire game for them to realize that there are Donkey Kong fans with opinions and wants and desires. And they, they, they did do a good job of fixing what they could. and Like the bonus know. levels... But they didn't fix the bonus levels. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I forgot. I'm a sarcastic idiot. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but then there's also, I think, this critical opinion that was mostly formed in this buyout era, which, which is the GameCube and early Wii era, where, you know, the, the Gen Xers took over the gaming media and really, they you know, a lot of them weren't necessarily fans of Donkey Kong Country because they didn't grow up with Donkey Kong Country. And so there was a lot of dismissive attitude there that, well, Donkey Kong Country characters are shit. And who cares? Donkey Kong is the arcade game. And we're, we're more excited about Mario versus Donkey Kong or to see how Nintendo can recreate Donkey Kong's world. And we don't really care about Dixie Kong. Hell, even the UK Nintendo magazine uh, called like called out the Kongs and like said they were shit characters. Nintendo power in the U S called Dixie Kong Daisy Kong because they didn't care. So there was a lot of this mentality that was baked in from the older like gaming media and then influenced the younger fans who are coming up into the GameCube era and also didn't grow up with Donkey Kong Country. And it, it, it took a while for the DKC fans to get into a place, a position where we can say, hey, we love these characters and it kind of sucks that you're giving them a short shift. And if, if the rumors are true, you know, there are a lot of Donkey Kong Country slash Super Donkey Kong fans at Nintendo EPD, which is one of the driving forces behind what the rumors say is happening. So, yeah, I, I'm optimistic for the future, but holy shit. Uh, holy shit, 
They they put Mr. Game and Watch in Donkey Kong Country Returns. They like reference Mario uh, a few times in Tropical Freeze. And we can't even get and guard the swordfish. Like we're we're looking at rocks and trying to decipher K rule. Like people looking at a stain on a wall and seeing the Virgin Mary. And I mean, those rocks are just a Rorschach test. Retro doesn't give a shit about those rocks. <laughs> those rocks aren't real. They're not King K rule. And you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say two things here. How one, uh, sort of a a, a tangent, but I I want to say that uh, when we talk about Nintendo culture the kind of decision process that might inform uh, why they do these things. I want to point out, this is not an Eastern versus Western cultural mentality. Um, It's a Nintendo corporate cultural mentality. Because you have the likes of uh, Mr. Sakurai at the Super Smash Brothers mountain where he makes his games. Um, and, And he knows what's up. Mean old Mr. Sakurai, the ghost. In his mansion, with his undead guarding the gold. Um, No, you know, Sakurai knows what's up. He's like, oh, I'm making a game that's, like, referencing the history of Donkey Kong. Like, you know, the 3DS game, he made uh, critters into enemies in the Smash Run mode. You have critters that you can fight as enemies along along with the Tiki Buzzes, or whatever they were called, um, from Returns. And then, you know, in the new game... We have King K. Rule as a playable character, even though he's not been in a game in 100 years. And the Final Smash is just the full-blown recreation of the Donkey Kong 64, um, like, plot with the blowing up Donkey Kong Island and Mecha Crocodile Isle. And it's like, Sakurai knows, if I'm going to go back and reference the history of Donkey Kong, the big games are probably at most four, if there was a Mount Rushmore. It's Donkey Kong Arcade, Donkey Kong Country 1... Donkey Kong 64 and Donkey Kong Country Returns and Returns doesn't even have anything in it that's worth referencing other than the vague visual style. Um, so, you know, he knows what's up and you look at Camelot when they've made spin-off games like Mario Golf or whatever and they have to reference Donkey Kong. They know what's up. You know, I think <laughs> that Nam- Namco Games, when they've made Donkey Kong spin-offs, they know what's up. Payon is a Japanese studio and they made some Donkey Kong games and they know what's up. So it's like, you know, it's just Nintendo. It's just, and I don't think it's Nintendo because Nintendo's not a hive mind, but I think yeah. it's a few particular old guard yeah. uh, executives with a certain idea of Donkey Kong that are for sure. And, and that's not even necessarily down. Miyamoto because I, I feel like Miyamoto would have often gotten blamed for this in the past. Miyamoto well, maybe, was a, but I, I, I'll put out right now. I would really like to not have him work on the new Donkey Kong game. Can I? Can Am I? Can I influence that? You're allowed to say whatever you want, Jeff. I, you have no influence. None of us do. Oh, that's true. But, I forgot. <laughs> I, I, but you know, Miyamoto weirdly championed Cranky Kong. He's always fighting to get Donkey Kong games in development. Fighting. I don't know how much he, the guy has to fight. He can probably just blink and and his wishes come true. But I, you know, it's. I I think there is an older guard Nintendo corporate mentality that you know it and. It, this serviced some things well, right? Like I, the aforementioned Super Mario Land trilogy uh, was not made by Nintendo EAD. It, and that gave us characters, that gave us new characters like Wario, 
uh, and Daisy that are beloved today. And the only difference, though, is that Daisy and Wario weren't permanently replacing pillars of the Mario cast uh, because those characters were still appearing in EAD's concurrent games. So you weren't being deprived anything. If anything, you were just adding to the tapestry that fans love. But this this corporate mentality has kind of that's I'm just calling that for lack of a better term. It, it does even hurt Mario fans and and in the long run because or maybe Wario fans, because, you know, how many people have wanted to see Waluigi in a proper Wario game? But you're not seeing it, because that's not that studio's character. Wa- uh, Waluigi was created by Camelot, and so Waluigi is kind of a man without a kingdom. They feel comfortable putting him in spinoffs, like Mario Kart, where you need warm bodies, but that's it. Look, and I don't want to get political. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite sentence. I don't want to get political. I just think that if you were born uh, before or during or if you remember uh, the Vietnam War, <laughs> I, if I had any influence personally, would ask you not to work on the new Donkey Kong game and let somebody who played Donkey Kong Country in their life make the game and who likes it. I, I, I am optimistic about the purported new blood at Nintendo who are fans of the things we're fans of. Because like you said, this isn't an, uh, a Western culture versus Eastern culture thing. The, one of the most tiresome misnomers out there about Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Country and the franchise in whole is that Japanese gamers aren't Donkey Kong fans. They, they don't like Rare's creations. That is bullshit. That's not true. There are tons of fans uh, everywhere for the for these characters, including Japan, including within Nintendo, and I, I think we are getting to the point where that old guard has less say in how Donkey Kong's going to operate. So fingers crossed. I mean, we're still like we're we're still so bruised and battered that we're thinking, well, obviously Dixie's not going to be in the new game, right? We're we're just hoping that the Kremlins are there, and barring that, we're just hoping that K Rule is in it. So we're at most we're just hoping that Donkey, Diddy, and K Rule are in the game. And, uh, and barring that, I'm hoping I don't have to just like buy a plastic peripheral to play the game. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, I, I, I'm looking to, every time you, we bring them up, I peer over and I look at my stack of DK bongos. <laughs> I do the same thing. Only, I only have one of them, but it's like they, they cast a shadow at certain times of the day. <laughs> the, sh- they- the shadow falls on me and, and <laughs> I, I can feel my mood drop. <laughs> they cast a shadow behind your eyes. Um, and another thing I wanted to bring up is a thought that, uh, was put in my brain by our friend Cameron. Uh, which is, you know, we talk about some of the things that Retro did choose to reference. And it's like, really? You're going to reference Billy Mitchell and the tank from Super Mario Bros. 3? And you're going to reference kind of the, the level layout of, of the Donkey Kong 3 arcade game? And you're going to reference Mr. Game & Watch and the Metroid games, but you're not going to have zingers in a game that you claim is Donkey Kong Country Returns, like a liar would claim? Um... But one thing they did an amazing job of, specifically in Tropical Freeze, 
is referencing Donkey Kong Country Returns. Yes. As a direct sequel, there's such a, a like really well laid out connective tissue between those games, whether it's the return of, of Squidicus in the now underwater level. Um, there's things like the the Mama Squeakly frozen in the cave when Donkey Kong Island is frozen over. Really, all of the final world of Tropical Freeze, uh, the frozen over Donkey Kong Island, is just one thing after another referencing um, Donkey Kong Country Returns. And that is awesome. But where it leaves something to be desired is just, wouldn't it have been cool to see that level of attention to detail in their kind of even if you can't, if you're not going to give me on guard to ride on underwater, and if you're not going to give me zingers as enemies, but like just that kind of environmental storytelling and background Easter egging that they did such a good job of when they wanted to, but their priorities of what to reference were so out of whack. I mean, the best thing that we got in those games is just a sprite of Donkey Kong standing on a mountain from the arcade game. Um, Or some red girders in the foreground when you first enter the factory world. Uh, You know, but I thought that the title was Donkey Kong Country Returns, (laughs) which is what you would call it if you're a liar. But that's a good point, Jeff, because it was great to see Squidicus back or or the Mama Squeakly being frozen in a block of ice or or AI, the, the giant eyeball artificial intelligence of the factories. It, it, it was wonderful to see all of those back. And that's why when I say I want Donkey Kong characters in Donkey Kong games, I'm not just referring to the Rare Era. I'm referring to the totality, the entire history of Donkey Kong. I I want characters back from Jungle Beat, from the Payon games, from Retro's games. I don't want anything left behind. I I want this to be the equivalent of a big snowball that keeps rolling down a mountain. I just wanted to get bigger and bigger and more up its ass with each roll. Uh and I, I, that's what we didn't get with the retro games. That's what we haven't gotten in the last decade plus of Donkey Kong. And that's what looking at all this Crash Bandicoot revival, all of these entries and all of this fan service, like fan service is, is thought of as a bad thing. And I don't understand why, because you, you don't want to get so insular that you're, you know, being off-putting towards general audiences, but I don't see how things like Yaya the Panda would be a deal-breaker for Grandma looking to buy a game for Little Billy or uh, Tiny Sally. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think it's... And you think, like, you honestly think, Nintendo, Anonymous Tanabi that I'm calling out, do you honestly think that it would be a slap in the face to Steve Mails or Kev Bayless to use one of their characters. No, they, they like they, they would be fine with it. Like they would love to see those characters back. Uh, they, they don't care anymore. They haven't made Donkey Kong games in decades. And you know what else I'll say is that, you know, I, I'm not saying that a, a game needs to just be a parade of references with no substance to it. I think you need to make a good game. And I think that that is where Nintendo comes from things, but then they go too bare bones with it. 
at times. And when I say Nintendo, I mean specific people when they're in charge of specific teams, because there are other teams that are allowed to be as self-indulgent as they want to, Mm -hmm. and they get away with it. And you have Super Mario Odyssey, which is one of the most fan-pleasing referency games in the Mario franchise, and you have Splatoon, which is a game just chock full of world-building and stupid characters and uh stuff like that but you know you can make a good game and the thing is i'm not saying that retro needed to divert attention away from making a good game to put some attention into these easter eggs because their game is already full of easter eggs they made a game that's deeply layered with background elements they just had bad ideas of what those things should be referencing and uh or or had bad advice or bad instruction from on high on what they were allowed to reference, because we know they played all the old classics. And I think that in a lot of little subtle ways, gameplay ways, style ways, background, you know, little elements in game design throughout those games are clever, deep-cut references. But it's it's a reference to a moment of gameplay. It's a reference to a style, and it's not a reference to a character. Yeah. Which is the difference and, with Cra- what Crash Bandicoot has done. And I think one thing that unites both Crash Bandicoot fandom and Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Universe fandom, if you want to get broader with it, is we have a love for characters, I think, first and foremost. Yes, we love the games. Yes, we love the, the gameplay. Yes, we love this and we love that. But at the end of the day, what do we talk about the most? We talk about the goddamn characters because they're full of life. They bring the world to life. Uh, and it's it's fun to obsess about these eccentric personalities. And it, 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 it's been frustrating. It's been hard. It's been a hard go of it to to continually celebrate these characters when you feel like Nintendo hasn't cared. And and they they are dismissive of them or or oh we don't have a 3D model of that character so let's not use it because it would be too much work to make a 3D model of this character when fucking Mr. Crumb over here like an asshole yeah. is smirking at them they made a model of a fucking tank you know how big a tank is <laughs> yeah i i've heard i've heard like arguments that well they won't be bringing back chunky because they never gave him a new model so it's just too much work uh, like come on like that it, it's why is it always like, considered this monumental feat to get a Donkey Kong character back? Like, many, like I said, with how Kenny many Rool. models did they make? How many original models did they make to create Donkey Kong Country Returns? The the backgrounds are chock full of one time use models. Yeah, yeah. If if they can if they can take the time to make a Billy Mitchell statue in Donkey Kong Country Returns, but they, they can't. You know, re- again, referencing. I know Ingard is our go-to, but that is the most like that is the most blatant, silly. Like, what the hell? How did you screw up not putting the iconic swordfish that everyone knows, everyone well, remembers? And the only reason that my go-to is on guard is because Funky Kong and Dixie Kong showed up in the sequel. But before that sequel came out, you could you could look at a game that said it was a Donkey Kong Country game, like a liar would say, and. <laughs> And you could say, but there's no on guard, and there's no Funky Kong, and there's no King K. Rule, and there's no Zingers, and there's no Neckies, and there's not a single Kremlin. Yeah. And the title is lying to you. (laughs) And I love Donkey Kong Country Returns, and I'm not going to stop loving it, but I feel like 
11 years of playing nice about this. I've had it, Jeff. I've had it. Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled has pushed me over the edge, and I'm going to start being assertive for myself, and I'm going to start saying, yeah, I want some fan service my way. Yes, please. Thank you. And no, just putting Cranky's gramophone in the first level of Tropical Freeze doesn't count so much. Maybe it was the third you know, level. I don't remember. You but. know what would be cool? The first world of Tropical Freeze is all these downed aircraft, right? So yeah. how fucking awesome would it have been just in a background shot to have like the the um the K Cruiser, the 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 uh the the ship from Donkey Kong Country 2 that K Rule climbs up. That could just be a downed aircraft. Or like the spaceship that Xananab the banana the banana alien uses from uh jungle climber climber yeah yeah that that would have been really cool but you know they did put an airplane with the p-wing on it so ah. for, for mario you know ah. mario and we love mario don't we what about this Everybody loves mario in, in returns they had a plot where they said that the plot is that the tiki's have hypnotized donkey kong's animal friends and then a bunch of fucking rando stranger animals are stealing his bananas because they said they're his animal friends, like a liar would say. <laughs> and and then throughout the game, they're like, hey, remember that generic, no gives a shit ele- elephant, giraffe, and zebra that you hate? Or, you know, I don't hate them, but but I don't I don't know them. <laughs> so uh, remember them? They just put them in the background of like multiple levels throughout the game. Now, if you're not going to have a bunch of playable animal buddies, which I think is already a bad design choice, but... If that's what you're going to stick with, yes, putting background cameo of, instead of generic zebra, giraffe, elephant, it's Ellie, espresso, winky kind of situation, you know? Um, That's the kind of shit that would have gone a long way to assuage the issues we had with what was not, you know, front and center. Like, I can't ride on guard, but wasn't it awesome that one level where he jumps out of the background, if you stop and pause and look in the background at the right time, and he jumps out of the water and, like, does a flip? You're like, man, that's on guard. I know this. That's from what I remember. That that would have been great. That would have gone a long way. That's one of our go-to complaints. And just, like, what the hell were you thinking? You have a plot where the animals of Donkey Kong Island get brainwashed, but you don't use the animals we know and love. It's just, and, and maybe the idea is, well, we can't use them because fans will be upset that they can't ride them. So it's better we just don't bring them up at all. It's like, we're, we don't, you're not going to make us forget about Engard and, and Winky and Espresso and Ellie and Squitter. You're not going to just erase our memories. This isn't Men in Black. Get over yourself, Tanabi. On Guard was is the godfather of my children. I will never forget On Guard. On Guard was the best man at my wedding. I love that swordfish. It's a shame that your uh, your spouse drowned that day, but that's what you got. <laughs> Me and On Guard, Guard were busy, and he couldn't swim yeah. to save her. Anyway, do we, uh, do we have we calls? got some calls? We yeah, calls. we we have a couple calls now. Uh, if you called in and I don't play your call. That's because some of the calls I felt like would be better served for a future call sack episode and not so much the flow of this episode, which is just petty and, and snippy. Uh- <laughs> Can I just say, I had no idea that's where you wanted to take it. 
I thought I didn't I didn't either. <laughs> I was just like, I've got some things I want to say about this goddamn Billy Mitchell statue that's been getting up my ass. Uh, and and then from there, fuck we fucking lost it. But uh I I, I was gonna go into this like, oh, isn't it great what Crash Bandicoot is doing? I want some of that. And then it just became uh, kind of angrily clenching our teeth and and fist uh at at some of the decision makers at Nintendo the past decade, but whatever. I, I'm mostly over it at this point, mostly. Uh, but anyway, I will. I will be playing your calls if you call it in and you don't hear it. I'm. I'm sorry. Uh, it was just for time and also uh, clarity, cohesiveness. I've decided to save your calls for later. But we do got. We do have two calls. Uh, the first one is actually the second call from Kevin Folgers. AKA Gothic Teddy Bear. So let's hear what he has to say. So I actually wanted to get to the point on more related topics to characters and such. Uh, this is about the worry that perhaps Nintendo is not going to. Well, they've already been kind of only been using the Donkey Kong Hundred cast minimally. The thing is, though, they don't really have a choice now. Now they have the merchandise department splitting off Mario and Donkey Kong in half. So now Donkey Kong's going off to have his own merchandise line. And so that means they can't just have, you know, I know that Pokemon's got new Pokemon every generation. They can make a whole, like, plush toy line of, of every generation of Pokemon. It's not like that here. If they're going to have their own brand consistency and their own brand identity, they have to have consistency. We can't have the one-off cast. I know that, so it's like, even if they wanted to like keep wiping out, you know, with a big tidal wave, everybody but Donkey and Diddy, or whoever they consider essential every time, they can't really do that now, because it's like, now Donkey Kong Country specifically is, is the theme park's, uh, well, at least it was the theme park's ultimate setting, and that's going to have that gift shop along with the merchandise line. Now it's like the brand is becoming an internal structure. And they're trying to differentiate it from Mario. But what has Mario always had over the years? A consistent line of characters. I know there were a couple, like, bumps and rollers for Mario Land, but even then, you know, it's like Wario and Daisy sometimes appear in their own material, but they still got Mario, Bowser, Peach, the foundational. Donkey Kong Country is the best-selling variation of Donkey Kong. They have to have Donkey Kong Country as the brand going forward. I'm not saying we're going to see Cat and Nine Tails and Hogwash, but I mean, you know, I think now they got to embrace it. They don't have a choice because the brand has to financially sell on its own in merchandise and in its own line of games and the theme park. And how do you get a brand to grow? Consistency. Consistent cast of characters. And they're finally coming around to it being Donkey Kong Country. Feel it. May the force be with you. Uh, well, thank you for the call. Uh, now, Kevin, Kevin's point here is that going forward, Nintendo sort of has to commit, right, to, to having a core Donkey Kong cast because there, there, there's a lot riding on the success of Super Nintendo World. And they're, they've made all these moves to make Donkey Kong a important brand, a pillar of Nintendo going forward. And that's, 
you know, apparent even without the rumors and leaks about a new Donkey Kong game coming. So, uh, Jeff, do you agree with the assertion here, or do you think... I don't know. I think... Look, it, you know, if if the new game says we're going to have a bare-bones core that is Donkey, Diddy, and King K. Rule, if that had, if that comes to be the case, just as a hypothetical, you know, I, you think of a gift shop at a theme park. I don't necessarily assume that a, the Donkey Kong gift shop will have to have 10 characters or else they don't have enough to sell plushes. You know what I mean? If you have three characters and you have you know, some barrels and banana themed items and whatever you have, you you have more than one different style of Donkey Kong pose and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm at the point where I think that Donkey Kong games are always going to default back to a small core cast. And it's just going to be a case of how small and how core is that cast? Who is expendable? Who is not? Uh, and I think that if this new Donkey Kong game comes out and we get to see it soon, hopefully, or not, but when we do get to see it, I think we'll get a peek into what Nintendo's thinking is, which is, who who do they think is essential? Is King K. Rule really going to just be a mainstay now, since he was in Smash? Uh, are the Kremlings going to be back as kind of the main baddies? Are we, or are we going to have it more like how it's typically been, where between Jungle Beat's enemies and then Returns as tiki's and then tropical freezes uh snowmads where they just kind of make up new enemies as they go all the time and there's nothing really iconic to stick around um i think donkey diddy are the only two i have any degree of confidence about and if you were to grow that number to say something like uh eight which is the seven that we've already had this decade fuck uh, <laughs> uh, if you were to say the seven we've already had plus King K rule, then I think that's optimistic. Yeah. Um, like, like, like great. I said, it, you know, go ahead. Well, Jeff, I know you have been one of the more cautiously. Yeah. I don't want to be say pessimistic. pessimistic. Yeah. I, but I, but I am, I'm nervous. You I'm, are. I'm like waiting to see. I'm very much like this could be way you know, every bit as bad as you worry it might be, it absolutely feels possible it could be. But where, where, whereas I, too. whereas I, you know, regardless of this chafing I'm feeling about the the character choices and the lack of a celebration of of the cast from the past decade, independent of that, I'm more cautiously optimistic. Where because I just feel like Donkey Kong needs a stable home again for room for growth. And we, we didn't really even have that with Retro. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm just glad to have one of my boxes ticked off. And, and I'm hopeful that maybe more of them will get ticked off along the way. But, like, I, yeah, I'm not even optimistic that we'll see Dixie in this. I, I was just like, oh, Donkey and Diddy and, and probably Cranky and hopefully k Roll And, boy, it'd be great if they remembered the Animal Buddies. But I'm not optimistic there either. So, uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I see K. 
Kevin's point, and I think going forward, there will at least be consistent brand identity for Donkey Kong. I don't know how far downward that will extend, though. I look at all the merchandise that has been released since Donkey Kong has been its own merchandising brand. I'm looking at it on my desk right now. I see a lot of Donkey Kong stuff. I see a lot of Diddy Kong stuff, and I see barrels and bananas. And that's basically it. Uh, so I'm not, you know, entirely convinced that this is going to start a trickle down effect where we'll be getting plush noddies in the giant millstones. That would, I mean, could you imagine that, that, that's the kind of world I, I go into a toy store or a toy department and I see these rows and rows and rows of Mario toys. You know, every Mario character you can imagine has a toy or a plush. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that would be the life one in it. Well, and I'll also say this: if you do have the opinion that I don't, I don't necessarily agree with. But if you think that in order to satisfy some kind of quota for merchandise, that Donkey Kong needs more than a couple characters that are mainstays, that doesn't mean that the characters that they choose to do that with will be returning. They could be creating brand new characters to then start propping up, and and you might say oh, wow, Donkey Kong has such a history, there's no way they're going to add a new character that's just going to become a mainstay now. But they do it with Mario all the time. Uh, yeah. You know, you go back to... Um, I mean, even just what's in Smash Brothers. You know Toad? Toad is not in Smash Brothers, but Rosalina's in Smash Brothers. From She's from the Wii game. Bowser Jr.'s in Smash Brothers from the GameCube game. And you look at Odyssey, which brought back Pauline, who's not a brand new character, but now all of a sudden Pauline is a huge character appearing in all the spinoffs and so even mario's cast is not static mario's cast is changing when you look at the spinoffs they go in and out of relevancy there was a long while where the kind of gamecube stuff like pd piranha and bowser jr and piantas and nokis and stuff those were in everything and most almost all of that's been phased out except for bowser jr you don't see pd piranha hardly ever anymore um, you know, you don't see EGAD in anything anymore. You don't see Toadsworth in anything anymore. So the cast is fluid. It fluctuates. A brand new game will elevate a character, and then all of a sudden that character is a mainstay for a while. Do you remember how everybody was, like, so salty that the Koopalines were never referenced anymore? Uh, and now it's just like, oh, fuck the Koopalines. I know. It's like they all, it's like now that we have 9 or 10 or 15 characters in a game that are just... Koopas with shells on with different haircuts. They did the number of them, like, and I'm like, you know, I'm looking at <laughs> which that that's that's how you just described how a lot of people tried oh, to God. write off Donkey Kong's oh, cast. God. Oh, just a bunch of monkeys with haircuts. Oh, God, I did it. I did the bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, what I'm saying is uh, a brand new Mario character can suddenly come out of nowhere and be relevant. There was Nabbit, Nabbit, the, the little bunny freak from, uh, New Super Mario Brothers, and then he started appearing in spinoffs. And it's like, Mario has a lot bigger cast of characters that you would consider quote-unquote essential, and even Nabbit, a brand new random-ass character, is replacing those from time to time. So, I don't think any character in Donkey Kong is sacred, except maybe Donkey and Diddy. Um, And they could come out with a new character tomorrow and say, well, uh, what did I say on uh, on our stream of Thieves? I said, uh, Toucan Nana Toucan Nana, the Toucan, whose beak is a banana. You know, just, they could come up with some new shit just because they want to, and then they're just going to push that just because it's what's the newest shit. Yeah. And I don't think it'll go the other way around. I don't think that whatever plush they want to sell at Mario World 
uh, is not is going to dictate how they make their video game. I agree. I agree. I and I I'm hopeful that we'll get some more. I, I'm hopeful to expand beyond eight characters, Jeff. Uh, eight, like eight returning characters, and I'm hope hopeful as as the series has a greater degree of permanence and isn't just this perpetual thing that crashes on studios couches for a while before it gets kicked out uh i I, i'm i'm hopeful that you know with with that foundation we will have more room for indulgences and fan servicey nods every now and then even if it's just putting a character in the background and, and not really using them that that would i mean hey i'll take what i can get right so and, but and you know what the- oh sorry go ahead thanks oh, thanks was- kev kevin yeah i yeah th- thanks kevin but what what were you gonna say Jeff? i was just gonna say you know and i don't think it's hopeless when i say that we might get eight characters is as a very optimistic guess and that we're probably gonna get less than that but the but the notion that we could get significantly more than that i don't think is impossible either yeah, And I think that you could totally see, especially cause some of the rumors are saying like, well, we're, we, we heard this is going to be a 2D side-scrolling game or whatever. And who knows what it's going to be. But especially if you go with a 2D side-scrolling game. Um, are they going to do everything brand new? Maybe. Are they going to be like, no, the gimmick of this game is that we went back to doing Animal Buddies. So we've got like five of them plus a couple new ones. Like that could always happen. They could, you know, it's, it's, if it's a 2D side scroller, they could just be like, by the way, one of the enemies you encounter is Necky the Vulture and it spits out the eggs. And you're like, I remember Necky. I remember Zingers. Like this stuff might never show up again, but I'm not coming out here and saying like, oh, I, I don't think it's ever going to show up. I, I, I totally feel it's possible. I just don't I, I, know especially- what's going to happen. Especially post Smash, post Smash Ballot, where they got a direct pipeline to fans, and it was like, oh, it turns out people like Donkey Kong characters, or we like this, we we like this one Donkey Kong character you forgot about, so maybe you'll start considering the other Donkey Kong characters. And also post Odyssey, you look at what EPT has already referenced in a mainline Mario game. And did you ever think Radley the Rattlesnake would be referenced in a Mario game? I sure as hell didn't, Jeff. But well, no, here we are. That's his cousin, Radley. Oh, fuck. Always creating a new thing to replace something old. All right. <laughs> uh, let's take our, our second call. And then we're. I think we're going to play a game after that. Ooh. Ooh. I hope it's a Crash Bandicoot game. No. <laughs> okay. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, it's your friend Dustin. Looky, looky. Talking about two of my favorite game series on the planet. So, my top three game series, Banjo, Donkey Kong, and Crash. And two of those three are in this episode. That's so crazy! But, um, yeah, I love Crash Team Racing Nitro Field. It's probably my favorite kart racer. No, it's definitely my favorite kart racer. Um, I just love that it has so many characters. It's just a huge celebration of the Crash Bandicoot series. It's awesome that just so many characters from across the entire series are in this one racing game. Uh, that, that's just, that's just so cool. Um, it would be awesome if Donkey Kong got something like that. (laughs) Imagine a Donkey Kong racing game. 
maybe someday, am I right? Uh, but let's say they do make a hypothetical Donkey Kong racing game. Um, and let's say the roster gets to be something akin to this. Um, what characters would you want in it? Or, or, never mind. Instead of what characters you would want in it, pick a ki- one character you would want in it, and then think of a racetrack for them, a home track. In CTR, um, not every character gets a home track, but a good chunk of them do. So, um, yeah, pick a character and then make a track for them. Thanks, uh, conversation friends. Have a good time talking about uh, Crash and Donkey Kong. Bye! Well, that's our friend Dustin, <laughs> and Dustin sort of tapped into the game we were going to play. Yeah. Can uh-huh. I just say, can I just say, um, the more that Dustin is genuinely excited the more insincere he sounds to me. And and I, I urge everyone listening to this, you know, later to just rewind a couple minutes, listen to his whole call, and imagine he's being deeply sarcastic. Because it's <laughs> it, it's going to hit great. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, this ties right into what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so I think ours... Our, our our plan is a little bit more ambitious than even what Dustin wanted it. And that's just like a Donkey Kong fan going in with low expectations and then hoping that they will be met or exceeded. And so, Dustin, this is your lucky day. So, Jeff, what, what game do you have in mind? Well, we were looking at all these obscure characters that we've called attention to from Crash Bandicoot. Um, you know, Snarky McOrangemouse, whatever we call him. And uh, we thought, what if we... We each went in blind here. We didn't. We didn't mm-hmm. discuss with each other. But we're gonna name five Donkey Kong characters, obscure characters, uh, that we that would just be mind blowing and awesome to kind of see them make a modern day appearance. Okay, and so um, I'll I'll tell you how we didn't we didn't really go over parameters. But for my own list, I made sure to specifically choose stuff that's under Nintendo's umbrella. I didn't choose anything that Rare owns, anything like that. Same. Cool. I wasn't like, I would love to see Mildly Naughty from Banjo-Kazooie. Like, no, (laughs) no, no. Uh, I I didn't use any Diddy Kong Racing characters that aren't owned by Nintendo, or that aren't owned by, um, yeah, that aren't owned by Nintendo, which is very few. Uh, I I, I kept it legal and legit. Now, Dustin threw us a curveball and and came up with this idea that, like, this was for a racing game, imagine if there was a track attached to them so i don't know if you want to like on the fly i'll do that for one character i can't do that for five characters i think i can do that for all for all five of mine i could but but, all right yeah all right let's do it we're doing it okay all right so how do we want to do this i I think we should do a a back and forth here i'll I'll, I'll do yeah i'll do one then you'll do one and i'm assuming knowing us we'll probably have a bit of overlap so I tried it, to get out there with mine. I wanted a variety, okay. so we'll see what happens. I wanted I wanted an eclectic mix that would would hit all uh hit all eras, but I also came from this from the perspective of this being a racing game. So I specifically tailored mine to who would be cool to see in a racing game versus who do I just want to see back? Because honestly, five characters that is a, a tall thing to ask for me because I there's probably 60 Donkey Kong characters that I want back at this point. And I, I consider them all 
just pillars of, of the franchise. Because for me, my my is that a very reference? small is one of your characters the Tiki Pillar, Screaming Pillar, the no. Screaming Pillar. No, oh. but uh, we'll be seeing the Screaming Pillar probably at the Donkey Kong theme park. From according to the diorama, they they're going to have those in there. But I, uh, I you know, I kept this non-drone characters too. These are all individual characters. But I, I decided to narrow it down to who would be best served for a racing game. How how that would really pay tribute to their character too so that that's where i came from but i'll go first um and jeff i'm sorry that i'm the one who who first reads this i'm gonna go with brash bear oh golly oh golly brash bear from off of Donkey Kong country 3 dixie kong's double trouble now i picked brash bear it was brash bear on your list uh no surprisingly son of a what? All right. That's, because, that because is Because I knew, why would I put Brash Bear on my list of five when I could get him for free off of your list of five? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're, you're why thinking buy like the a, milk, Kyle? You you're thinking like cow. a true penny pincher. Oh, wow. Just clip <laughs> those coupons, Jeff. I picked Brash because I, you know, the Brothers Bear. Me and a lot of the DK Vine uh, Illuminati, we really love the Brothers Bear from Donkey Kong Country 3 and Donkey Kong Land 3. They're just ridiculous. When we made the joke about the Kongs just being monkeys with haircuts, I mean, the bears are even more to that degree. They're just bears with some ridiculous stereotype attached to them. <laughs> and... uh that works. It, it works for me. They're they're memorable characters for as little as we see them. And I feel like so many of them could be plugged back in future games for different purposes. Like you I wouldn't want to see all 14 in one game. That would be ridiculous. But I remember back when Donkey Konga 3 had been announced before we knew it wasn't coming outside of Japan. And someone made this falsified we still don't know the origin behind this but somebody made the falsified artwork of a cell-shaded barnacle bear and said barnacle bear was going to be in donkey konga 3 and that just blew everyone away and we were all thinking well what role is barnacle bear going to have in donkey konga 3 and ultimately people have gotten their hands on donkey konga 3 they played through as much of it as they can they see no reference to barnacle bear but that really put the idea in my head that the brothers bear could come back just like one one of them could come fill a role in some game. I really wanted Bizarre Bear to be in one of the retro games to run the shop. I mean, I know, right? But uh, so Brash Bear, if any of the Brothers Bear are going to come back in any sort of competitive uh, multi-character romp, Brash Bear should be in it because he is the the jock, the, the competitive meathead, the one who takes pride in competition and the the one who would make the most sense to be in a Donkey Kong racing game. And so Brash Bear is my first choice. And if we're going to attach a track, then give him Riverside Race from Donkey Love Kong Country 3. Love it. And you could probably drive up like a hollow Kremwood tree. That'd be some shit, man. Yeah. I'd play that. All right. Um. So I'm going to go first. I didn't. I didn't necessarily think of my list as racing game characters. That's I just fine. That's kind fine. of generically thought five characters of any 
Because uh, here's the thing, even though mine are racing game characters, they're all characters I really want to see back too. So right. that was the that was that was the easiest way for me to narrow it down. So I wasn't throwing in all these characters and all these ideas because we would be here for four hours or more, Jeff. Yeah. So my first character, I'm gonna say this is a character that is obscure in the grand scheme of things, but is not gonna read as obscure to fans like you and me. Yeah. Um, and it's a character called Xananab, the banana alien from Dr. Oh, Rumble you Climber. fucker. Is that, that on your was list? My, that, was my, that was the third one on my list. So All right. We'll, well, we'll we can grouply to discuss Xananab and yeah. Xananab's potential stage. But yeah, Xananab is, I would say, uh, okay, that claim is wrong. But I, I was going to say it's one of the only <laughs> um, really kind of memorable original characters that Payon made. To put their unique, you know, because Payon used a lot of returning characters and they used a lot of um, returning enemies. So when they created something unique, like an NPC named Xanadab, who's very, very um, involved in this, the plot of that game, um, it's almost like, you know, this character is emblematic of the whole Payon era. This is their their unique stamp on it. And, and then, of course, you know, you could look at uh, Barrel Blast and talk about the the unique Kremlings, the female Kremlings, and the children Kremlings. Um, those are very, I think, popular among fans. They'd want to see come back. But I didn't put them on my list. I went with Xanadab because he's just such a weirdo. Yes. He he, he is, I think... I pay on introduced a lot of characters I like. Uh, Xanadab is their most memorable character by far. He He's the character that stands right up there with the rare era cast and kind of just instantly falls in with them. And you're like, this is the weird kind of nut bar who would show up in one of Rare's games. And just even, even the concept of this alien, this extraterrestrial race of banana people is, is just right up there with some of the nonsense that Rare, you know, tailored. Because, you know, Rare, Rare's Donk on games, they, they were down to earth as much as they could be, but then they had those, these out of left field indulgences. Uh, banana birds for one so you know banana extraterrestrials from the planet plantain uh that that is just good shit that right there and xananab's way of of speaking that incorporated the uh banana fofana song (laughs) (laughs) that that is that even in japan is that just an english translation yeah i don't know what the japanese uh version of the game says uh, maybe Gibbon would know. I, I know. Well, Gibbon if he doesn't, if they if they don't, then then Gibbon, that's your homework. Uh, your yeah. your homework is to look into Jungle Climbers Japanese translate or not translation, but the original Japanese text. Bet you didn't know you would have homework, Gibbon. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Z- Zananab is just a fully realized NPC. Zananab is unique in in the role. He functions in Jungle Climber, but there's room for future appearances. This is and that's I, something I, I like. When you look at something, I know you're not going to be super familiar with this. Uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog series does a thing a lot where they'll introduce a character that's very integral, integral to like that one game's plot in a way where it kind of doesn't make sense to ever bring them back, or if they do, it's very jarring. There's nothing that prevents Xanadab from just popping into Earth for no reason. Hey, I have a spaceship. I'm here to say hi. I, I like the idea 
uh, of the Kongs having an extraterrestrial ally who just pops up every now and then. Like Donkey Kong Island has this interstellar alliance with <laughs> the planet Plantain. That's that's the kind of world building where that that's only possible with a slow building throughout the years of your universe until the point where like you, you go into it and you're like wait what now but yeah that that's why i would love for xanonath to just pop back up every now and then doesn't have to be an every game occurrence because i wouldn't want this weird banana man extraterrestrial to be in every game but every now and then would be nice yeah yeah especially a big yeah. racing celebration so as for a track a, a racetrack i was imagining um, so there's like these villages of like banana huts and houses that are mm-hmm. shaped like bananas. And then a big part in Jungle Climber is the the spiral warp like device that creates these warps that you, you go through a portal and you're in another weird place. So maybe they could have like the banana hut village on Planet Plantain and you drive through a warp and you go to other like wild little vignettes of the racetrack like the the weird toy box world or maybe like the... Uh, the weird, like, vegetable world, like giant cobs <laughs> yes. of corn or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that that would be cool. That that was what I had for track, too. I had Planet Plantain, but I hadn't incorporated the Spiral Warp, and I think that would be the the, the finishing touch to really uh, sell it. It would be similar, too, to the um, Barrel Blast uh, Cosmic, Cosmic Highway. Highway. Yes. Yeah. So you would have like a double pay on reference, which there. I contend is also a track that sees you travel through time into the future and then back to normal time. But oh yeah, that's that's your theory. We'll about analyze that, yeah. that game someday. Someday, yeah. Uh, okay, so that was kind of a uh, we kind of doubled up there, Jeff. So do you want to go with your second one since I talked quite well, a bit there? Too? Uh, I could go with my second one, but then if it if it doubles up with you again, it's just gonna we're gonna snowball. So why don't you go and see if you okay. double up with me? That, this is this is fun. It's like how much of a hive mind do we share? Uh, <laughs> my my second character uh, who I had before Xanonav, and these aren't like ranked or anything. I actually just went in uh, vague chronological order, although that's not true either. I don't know. Uh, my second character was Crunch from off of Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, Crunch is one of the few Diddy Kong Racing characters owned by Nintendo by virtue of them retconning the alligator character that they had in the game as a Kremlin once Diddy Kong was added to the game for better thematic consistency. And when they did that, Nintendo automatically got the rights to that character. Not that they've used them. But uh, Crunch is a critter who is individualistic. He's unique. He had a character arc where he was sent to Timbers Island to spy on Diddy and the others to to make sure they weren't up to any anti-Kremlin uh, chicanery and ultimately befriended them, got invested in the struggle against Wizpig and came out of it an ally. And that was the first time a Kremlin has really been portrayed in any heroic sense. Uh, the closest we came before that was Clubba and Clubba was never an ally clubba just also kind of hated k rule but clubba would just as easily fuck you up so so for me crunch was the first time we were able to view a kremlin and say hey you know what they're not all bad the political structure they live under is bad and that was an important life lesson for young me uh it, it, it turned it taught me some some valuable insights 
about uh, don't don't judge a book by its cover, Jeff. And and I haven't. I try not to. Uh, but anyway, Crunch. I love him. Hasn't been used enough, and I, I thought it was kind of shocking that Payon didn't even use him in Barrel Blast. And the only reason I think they, they didn't go to that well when they had the whole conceit of Barrel Blast was Kongs versus Kremlins, is Crunch wouldn't really work on the Kremlin side anymore, and also Diddy Kong Racing DS was a contemporary game, and maybe it was just like, well, we shouldn't use Crunch because Rare is using Crunch in Diddy Kong Racing DS. I also think it's a bit of a minefield where they just think like, uh, we don't really want to go through the trouble of finding out what we can use. It's like, I think that the, the lines are pretty cut and dry with Diddy Kong Racing, but it's this well that they have never gone back to, so they don't know exactly what they own. They'd have yeah. to like, and it's just like easier to just not touch it than it is to like try and do the research. Well, also, it's the the fact that they could use Crunch, but then they can't promote Diddy Kong Racing. There's no cross-promotion there because Diddy Kong Racing is mostly owned by Xbox. So, mostly owned by Microsoft. So, it's kind of like, well, what's the point? Let's not, let's not reference that. But if we're talking full fan service, they could reference him. They could use him. So, I vote yes. I vote yes on Crunch. Um... And so my idea for a, a crunch track, you since Timbers Island is a minefield. That's that's uh, and it, you know you you get you you power up your uh, your your oil slick and you get a mine, uh, but you don't want to get that bubble because fuck that bubble. But because Timbers Island is mostly owned by Rare and Microsoft, let's do something different for crunch. So the the idea that you know post Crocodile Isle. Uh, but pre-mechanical Crocodile Isle, where were the Kremlins living? We we know Crunch and this unnamed uh, critter compatriot, this colleague of his, they were on Donkong Kong Island spying on Diddy. And, well, where did they come from? So my idea for a Crunch track is the Kremlin base camp in the Congo jungle, this kind of resettlement camp for the, the Kremlins post-Crocodile Isle. I don't have any ideas for it. I just would want to see it. Yeah, because it has to exist. That'd be good. I'm into that. Yeah, I was really thinking, how's he going to come up with a track for this? I'm, I'm, I was curious, but uh, I think that works. I like that. All right, so you go. So I'll go. So I will say about my list of five. One, like I said, I wasn't thinking of racing specifically. um, That's or or else probably Crunch would have come up. But two and, and Zananab, Zananab, I, there's nothing about Zananab that screams racing character. He's just a character I really wanted to see. But right, and, and if we're gonna have something akin to Crash Team Racing Nitro fueled, um, you're get you know 56 playable characters. Most of them are just in it because they're Crash Bandicoot characters, not because they're oh. particularly racers. That reminds me too. I, I would be at a disservice if I didn't reference this. Crunch's name in Diddy Kong Racing was originally Crash, <gasps> Crash with a K, uh, because of the uh, enemies in Donkey Kong Country, the the critters in the minecart. Well, they were Crash. That was changed relatively late in development because they were afraid of legal problems because of the existence of Crash Bandicoot. Well, that just goes to show you don't judge a Crash by the first letter of his name. Um. Yeah, so uh, another thing with my list, I I purposely tried to get 
more out there with especially after Xanadab. Some of mine are pretty out there. Stuff that I thought you wouldn't say. And yeah. um and for that reason, Crunch isn't on my list. But the this list of five or five characters that if you if you gave me fifty six Donkey Kong characters and none of these five were on it, I think I'd still be happy. Um because none of these are like things that I can't live without. Whereas I would be a little, di- I would be noticeably disappointed not to see Crunch. So I sure. I went harshly obscure with these. So my next pick um, is a Brothers Bear. Uh, it is Bear Bear. Oh my God! I thought Bear Bear <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from Donkey Kong Land Three. I figured you would do it like an updated version of just Bizarre Bear because they're basically the same sprite. But since Donkey Kong Land 3 was like basically monochrome, right? Um, you could make it, you could retcon it that Bear Bear has gray fur like he's really old. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think too deep about it, Heil. But I thought Bear Bear would be a hilarious character, especially if it was the only Brothers Bear in a gigantic <laughs> roster. And you're just like, here's Bear Bear. He's old and he's a bear. And his name is Bear. Well, that would be the like fan jokey, like in inside baseball humor that uh, what was it? Hasty, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. hasty would be because Bear Bear has been an in joke uh, among the Donkey Kong fandom for years now. Um, based based upon the argument, well, is the Donkey Kong Land Three Brothers Bear? bizarre bear or not and you know super mario wiki famously said no it's bear uh and then we're like bear bear and and <laughs> from there the the joke you know was was adopted to the point where chris alcock is claiming bear bear is banjo's father uh so just a lot of um, history behind that so i wouldn't be opposed to that even though i still argue that it's probably bizarre bear in dark land 3 if you were to come in and make bear bear an official part of the canon i wouldn't be complaining yeah so as far as the stage uh track goes uh i'm kind of thinking of the the overworld kind of look of northern cremosphere you know thinking about where um bizarre bears shop is you could have um, you know, Funky's Garage, on, and you're driving alongside the water, and you could go through a banana bird cave, and then you come out yeah. the other side and do another lap or something like that. Um, something simple, but, you know, the the going in the cave would be kind of cool with the light-up crystals and banana birds flying around. That would be cool. It'd be cool if you could incorporate a little bit of um, the Simon-esque, like, I'm not saying, like, full-on, like, memorization game there, but... If you could incorporate like hitting the crystals and activating something. Oh, like a like a maybe there's like a crystal path you could drive on, but only if you hit yeah. the crystals on the, you know, if yeah. you hit the red crystal on lap one and the yellow crystal on lap two, then the blue crystal path opens up and you get a shortcut. Oh yeah. man, Kyle, let's that make, would be cool. Let's go make games. Wait, we have good ideas. I don't know why nobody listens to us. <laughs> we we <laughs> we insult them a lot, and then we start saying our ideas. Uh, oh, okay. That's probably not the way to go about it then. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Bear Bear, you've sold me. Uh, all right. I, I guess I'll go. Now, my third choice was Xanonab. We already discussed Xanonab. So do you want to go ahead and give your... Sure. Uh, yeah. I'll give a fourth one. My fourth one is um, Pink Pink Donkey Kong Jr. Oh, my God. Uh, Pink Donkey Kong Jr. from Donkey Kong Jr. Math. I think... 
uh, on my list of five is probably the character that is most in line with the kind of ex- obscure things that the Crash Team Racing guys did when they got really obscure. This is the kinds of very obscure things that, and I think you kind of mentioned that you didn't, you didn't think that Donkey Kong as a franchise had as obscure things as some of the examples mm. we've shared. I think this is kind of in that vein. Um, but Pink Donkey Kong Jr. I mean, you could rebrand him. You could say, um, you could give it a new name. You know, maybe call him Pink Funky Kong Jr. or something. <laughs> Just something stupid. I think maybe you had the theory in the past that it was Swanky Kong. Um, well, that's that's going with my idea that young, uh, Donkey Kong Jr. is just young, modern Donkey Kong, which is controversial, I, I, I realize. It's become a controversial position in the fandom. Well, actually, but- you know what? I'm just, I, I didn't think of this ahead of time. This is what I'm going to say. Put a character in there. It looks like Donkey Kong Jr., but it's pink. And name it on the select screen, Candy Kong Jr. <laughs> And it's a female and you can, you know, and now it's, since it's not a sprite, you can do it up with more details in 3D and make it, um, you know, but hey, who doesn't want more girl characters in the game and especially cute little baby characters that everyone loves. It's nice to have variety of the kinds of characters. So Pink Donkey Kong Jr. retconned as Candy Kong Jr. Wait, not Candy Kong Jr. Hold on. That's not what I mean. What I mean is it's candy. It's baby Candy Kong. Right. Baby Candy Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I you know th- this brings the the idea in. Is it going to be like Mario Kart Tour, where you have a, a sprite of Donkey Kong Junior in there, and then you also have Pink Donkey Kong Junior? You could go that route if if you want to really celebrate the obscure, um, and and not and still like skirt the issue of Donkey Kong Junior's identity in the modern context. You could do that, or you could just go in and say, no, that was actually Young Candy Kong. Now we know. Right. And I, I think that even if you don't address Donkey Kong Jr.'s, who it is, if, if you just say, by the way, this other little Donkey Kong Jr., if, if you just say that's baby Candy Kong, I think the implication is that the other one is baby Donkey Kong. You know what I mean? So yeah. you don't have to address it, but you would be directly implying it, um, which I would find to be a fun thing to do. But um, I, I really don't know what I'd do with a track here. Um because I, I mean, I, assuming there would already be a character that has just a generic arcade, you know, twenty-five M type of track as their home track, uh, but maybe I don't know. Um, something to do with math. It would it would have to be something to do with math. Um, maybe like a graphing calculator. <laughs> yeah, or like uh, it could be a variation of a twenty-five M style course. But it just has now had all these new obstacles of giant numbers added to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It would be I weird. Mean, no matter what you do with it, it's going to be weird. It would be one of those Smash Brothers stages that nobody plays because they're so frustrating <laughs> yeah. and this weird. This is our, the pack land of our game. <laughs> all right. Well, that, that was a good one. Uh, I, I'm going to keep going. Uh, my fourth one is Calypso uh-huh. from off of Barrel Blast. Great one. Uh, yeah. I know. Now, I, I pick Calypso because, I again, I really like a lot of Payon's contributions to the franchise, to the series. And for me, Calypso is probably my favorite of the new Kremlins in Barrel Blast, the individual Kremlins that the game introduced. You know, I like Kip and Cass, but uh, Calypso is 
uh, uh, like I think the most fully realized of the bunch in that in the 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 back various backstories given for her, she runs a nightclub that's a popular destination for the Kremlins. And so I really like this idea that the Calypso is sort of this um this popular figure in the Kremlin nightlife scene. <laughs> and I don't know. I think there's there's avenues to explore there to see Kremlin culture post Crocodile Isle again, uh, and Calypso uh, also you know allows you to have you know more more uh, female characters in the game, which is I think always important uh, in traditionally uh, character rosters that are dominated by the boys. So. Yeah, bring in Calypso and have her stage be Calypso's nightclub. It could be I like the, you know, like uh, this like 1950s Cuban style uh, aesthetic. I was just, I was fully picturing like uh, Crazy Kremland, like mm-hmm. um, a nightclub in the vein of that kind of look and, and like flashing lights and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I totally could see if, if the Kremlings have crazy Kremland, then i can picture them in a nightclub also yeah i love it all right all right so um so my next one uh i also feel pretty confident is not on your list okay and um okay so in uh donkey kong jungle beat in that game there are a lot of characters that i think could you know boss type characters or other characters i think could appear uh, or reappear in a modern game. But I wanted to get really specific and obscure with it, so I didn't choose any of those characters. Um, <laughs> what I did choose is there's this armadillo who looks real mean. <laughs> there's this armadillo, he looks real mean, and Donkey Kong basically uh, punches him into space. And he's really, he's like mean mugging you the whole time, and then you punch him into space. And uh, I want to race as that armadillo. Okay. <laughs> Just... That armadillo. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I I know. Yeah. It just that's that's a weird pool. You're right. That's not on my list. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I don't think that. I don't know if he has like an English name. But what I would really like is if 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 on the character select screen when you hover over this character, if it actually just said on the screen, "Real mean armadillo." Yeah. This is the that, real, that would, the real mean armadillo. That would be the equivalent to pink elephant. Right. Exactly. I want to play yeah. as real mean armadillo. Um. And okay, but as for a, t- a stage, I'm gonna go with the uh, the jungle beat uh, w- kind of western desert cactus aesthetic in yeah. some of those uh, those levels. You know the ones I'm talking about. I do. Yes. And that would be the level for Romine Armadillo. Okay. All right. Well, uh, do you do you have another one, uh, or is that the end of your list? I have list? one more. Okay. So I. I cheated a little bit, and I got a two-for-one deal in my last one, so I think I want to hear yours first, because I'm, I'm kind of doubling up. Okay, well, then I, I feel super confident that mine is not yours. All right. Because mine is not doubling up, and also I knew from the start this wouldn't be yours. Um, okay. <laughs> this is for the Idaho boys, uh, but I think a lot of people, this isn't really even for myself, but a lot of people would be pleased by this. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Uh, oh no! I oh no! <laughs> if we're gonna, I know where this is if going. We're gonna be, get out, if we're gonna get obscure with it, if we're gonna go out there, if we're gonna try and touch the whole history of Donkey Kong, 
Bluster Kong is my choice for my fifth character. Bluster Kong from the cartoon show. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're you're upset. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not upset because <laughs> I knew this was coming. I, I I think with Bluster, there there's some issues. I I would maybe question like, does Nintendo even own Bluster Kong? Because there, there's issues thought, with Nelvana maybe owning some rights to them. I don't think it's a character Nintendo would ever touch or consider because of that. Same reason why. You never see any characters from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and its derivatives appear anywhere. Um, okay, but then we make a legally distinct tribute to him, like Hasty is. Yeah. Okay. And, and we call him um, Fluster. Fussy Kong. Fussy, yeah, something. <laughs> um, I mean, there's got to be a better name. I mean, Bluster is already a shit name for a Kong. It is. It doesn't yeah. follow any of what makes a Kong name good, but. You know, let us actually, you know, we're not going to think live on air. We're not good at improv. You write into us over on Twitter or in the on the call ins, I guess, and let us know what you think another name for Bluster Kong should be. And then with that, we'll move on. Well, no, actually, we can't move on because I have to name the stage, the track. Oh, I have to name a track. And so I would go with the Barrel Factory, Bluster's Barrel Factory, um, which would be partially inspired by the show, but also partially trying to fuse that visual style with the factories we already have in donkey kong Mm -hmm. um country games so yeah just kind of a factory level but explicitly a barrel factory and maybe you could like drive across a giant barrel on an assembly line or i don't know you could get creative with it the barrel factory that's my that's my choice no i like it i i would be okay with taking bluster and sort of recontextualizing him to make him work in the games uh the same way rare took crystal coconut the the crystal coconut and make crystal coconuts or even tiny's basic design was heavily influenced by dixie in the cartoon um so yeah i mean that that would be i think acceptable to me as much as i kind of hold up my nose at the notion of putting bluster in a, an actual canon donkey kong game you know there, there are ways to do it and it would be nice there, there is the segment of the fandom that adores the cartoon or the cartoon was their introduction and i don't want to belittle that because you know it, it would be like the same reason we don't want to belittle anybody who the buyout era games were their first donkey kong games or the retro era games were their first Donkey kong games whatever brought you into the fold you know maybe we should welcome and embrace even if it's not to our taste or liking i i want to point out in the, our live stream chat that uh which you can listen in to if you become a patreon um but uh given ha- has pointed out that the name of the real mean armadillo is gol mondo gol mondo yes mondo, that's right gol which mondo. if you want to call it gol mondo that i'd be fine with that but if they call it real mean armadillo i'll be even more happy with that what if it was Golmondo, common, comma, the real mean armadillo? Like parentheses, yeah. Like uh, Golmondo, parentheses, real mean armadillo. It's I'm on into a business it. card. No, yeah. a real mean armadillo is like the scientific name. <laughs> right, like Looney Tunes. It just comes up <laughs> under. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So my, my last choice uh, is, is cheating because I couldn't pick between them. So. Uh, the, the, the talk of like all these obscure characters, I was thinking of like, what would be an obscure pool that would be pleasing for the fans, for the long tenured fans who have been through it all? What, what would make us happy the most? 
And so there, there are two characters, and you might know where I'm going with this now, that were almost Kongs, but couldn't quite get through development. And they're also quite the pair when you consider them as such. I'm talking about Redneck Kong and the Hatted Kong that goes by many names, but I like to call him Commuter Kong from off of Donkey Kong Land. So these two, these two, these two characters, uh, and one is just a naked Kong with an Audi belly button and a like a, a fedora or, or something. Objectively shit. Looks hideous. But there's potential there. And Redneck <laughs> Kong, we, we, we always talk about Redneck Kong. Uh, Redneck Kong doesn't even make sense because he's a hillbilly. And, and what? And, and also, huh? And, and he's just this, this dumb hick with big buck teeth. And it's, I guess it's offensive, uh, vaguely offensive. <laughs> but I don't know. You could make it work. Whatever. There's potential there. Redneck Kong. And, and, and what if, the, like, they were like this, this buddy duo, like, uh, you know, it's just like one, one is this urbane professional. The other is this moonshine swilling. <laughs> Rube, um, what if they were besties? I think that would go a long way towards healing us. I, I think that my favorite suggestion for the names of those characters, and I uh, and I and I apologize because I don't know who thought of this. Somebody on the DK Vine forum at once in the past came up with this, not me. Um, but they as as a duo, their their names could be City Kong and Country Kong. <laughs> yes. So just to accentuate how they're a pair. <laughs> well, that also that also goes into my track idea. So I, oh, I thought for, for the track, call the track City and Country. And you could have it be, I, I you know, Big Ape City, but let's be honest, it would be New Donk City uh, under under the, the current regime. Uh, but you could have it, you go through the streets of the city, and then you go out into the countryside, the rolling hills and farmland, City and country. Oh, you drive through like a big red barn, but in all of the the uh, stables are like rhinos. Oh, that's the way to do it. That reminds me of Donkey Konga 2, where you could see like, uh, like a, a, a carnival, but like the, oh, yes. the merry-go-round were rhinos, and it was all like Kong-themed. Oh, love it. Yeah. Renek Kong and Commuter Kong. And also, I like the uh, story idea, which I brought up in our Inner Circle Discord, uh, of like Commuter Kong. His whole, I, his whole purpose for being in the game is he he's late for work and he took a wrong turn and now he's stuck racing. He, he just, <laughs> this is just his car. This is just the car he takes to work. And, and he's just trying to get to work and he now he's stuck in, in like 40 races and he just wants to get to work. <laughs> Oh God, this is great! Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. But that that would make those characters canon. Those, those fabled cut Kongs, and that that's I think an equivalent an equivalency to some of those Crash characters. Yeah, uh, in Crash Team Racing Nitro Field. Yeah, and I, I, you know what? I think we really could play this game we just played. Literally, all like we could come back next episode with five new characters each, and probably still maybe only have one overlap. And, and we could do this over and over because there's so many characters that, I mean, at this point, every Donkey Kong character is an obscure pull almost. Um, yeah. And, and I'm just in my head as we're talking, I'm thinking of more. I'm thinking of Tox the Parrot from Tropical Freeze. Or what about like the scurvy crew pirates from Returns, but they're all three stacked on top of each other racing in one cart. 
Um, yeah. You know, you, you could do this all day, and it's honestly, I'd like to. We're not going to though. <laughs> We're not going. We're not to, going though. to. We're not going to. But, but yeah, it's been that, fun that's the to thing. Do. Yeah. There, there's, there's so much potential here when you look at just the history. And you don't even need to go towards weird pools, like because there weren't any Tiger Electronics Donkey Kong games. Uh, but you know, I, I think that like the deepest pool you could make would be Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze as like uh, something that only twelve people on the planet really know about. That would be that would be something. You know, oh, that there, yeah, there, there's one of those hippos from Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff, a lot of Donkey Kong has a higher profile than Mr. Crumb does. So, um, And yet at the same time, a very high profile game, like even Donkey Kong 64, it feels like 90% of the stuff in that game would be seen as extremely obscure today. Sure, yeah, you know? yes. Trough, Scuttlebug. Trough or... and Scoff as like main NPCs are still like, they'd be insanely obscure to Donkey Kong, you know, to outside of hardcore Donkey Kong fans. You know, could you imagine the fan reaction if if Trough and Scoff came back? Like, can you imagine how much that would blow up DK Vine on that day? I would want them to be canonically in a relationship. I, yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just seeing... <laughs> can you imagine it's, it gets, like, leaked, and it's like a blurry photograph of a screenshot, and you're like, look at this blurry photograph, and we're like, what the fuck is that, Scoff? Is that scoff? And then it comes out later and it's actually just like, I don't know, an illusion. That was probably what would happen. I got myself <laughs> I got myself sad again. No, but like You talk you talk yourself <laughs> down from your own fantasy, Jeff. <laughs> it's hard to dream, Heil. I've been I've I've had such a uh, hard life as a as a privileged fan of video games. Um but yeah, this has been fun. And I don't want to go out with the negative bitter you know feeling i want it i i had fun talking about these characters many of whom we'll probably never see um <laughs> but you know that i think that hope springs eternal and it's like thinking of stuff like this and seeing it happen for other fandoms it, it does give you a little hope it does and i it does make me feel happy for other fandoms when they get stuff like this and and you know like I, I'm still riding the high of getting K. Rule back, as ridiculous as that is. Yes, I'm riding the high that our main villain came back. But but also, you know, Banjo and Kazooie being in Smash, and then their trailer paying tribute to the shared universe, which is only, you know, really celebrated and recognized by people like us and, and other weirdos. So, I mean, I you know, I, I don't want to say, like, we haven't had good things come our way, because that's just not true. But uh, it, it is it, it is discouraging, and that is why I've gotten discouraged over the last couple of weeks uh, when these rumors started up and when we were reflecting on Donkey Kong Racing the other week and, and just thinking, wow, wow, it's just crazy. Billy fucking Mitchell. I can't, so I can't get past that. Like, out of all the things you could reference in your game, that's, that's what you reference. Uh, it, it's... It's just, well, it is what it is, but you're right. We don't want to end on a down note, and at least there is hope yeah. for the future. There, it, if so, so long as there's a glimmer of hope, and not a hope for glimmer, just a glimmer of hope, <laughs> then uh, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, and you know what I'll say, too, is that 
Um, it's been fun to look at what is happening in Crash Bandicoot and then play our game of like, well, what are the most obscure things that would be just mind blowing to see? And I'm not going to be mad if my list of five, it, you know, I'm not going to be mad, Heil, if real mean armadillo <laughs> never shows up in a game again. I won't be upset. Um, and But playing around and thinking about it has been fun to do. And it has also just made me appreciate how much, how excited I'm going to be if and when um, somebody making a Donkey Kong game uh, knows what they're doing and puts on guard the swordfish on it. <laughs> well, uh, w- Jeff, weirdly, the place where the most Donkey Kong characters are currently appearing has outpaced the amount of characters who appeared in the last Donkey Kong release, which was Donkey Kong Adventure, uh, the Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle DLC, and is actually catching up fast to the last major Donkey Kong release, which was Tropical Freeze. And I'm talking about Mario Kart Tour, which which has uh, four of Rare's Kongs in it, also has Donkey Kong Jr., arguably Pauline, you know, if you want to consider her a Donkey Kong character. Uh, and, and Jeff... You know, my, my initial impressions on Mario Kart Tour, uh, they, they weren't good. They, they, uh, I, was, I was pretty down on the game at first. And anybody who's been following DK Vinyl on social media or has been talking with me or hearing me talk has known that that's kind of changed a little bit. So I was thinking maybe we could squeeze in another episode before the E3 coverage starts. And, and Jeff... Would you like to be on that Mario Kart Tour episode with me? Well, you know, two episodes in a row about racing games, Kyle? I don't know. Oh, come on. Come on, baby. Don't be cold as ice. We could be traveling on the one after 909. Just like the conversation to be referencing the Beatles instead of Donkey Kong. A reference that only you and I give a shit about. Sorry, audience. Yeah, we could have brought up and guard the swordfish, but we don't fucking know what we're doing. This has been a File 2 production. Que rico.